Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, Fiona in today for PJ. Hope you're all which is always a bit of good news and if you want some tips on you know things to do over the bank holiday weekend we will bring you some things that are happening later on in the show we also have been talking quite a lot about bus connects over the last couple of weeks and how upset it has made a lot of people and we do have uh, some positive news on that and I will bring you that shortly so stay tuned for that and we'll also be talking um, later on in the show to Tyke Hickey the comedian about his new show which is happening at the Everyman um, so all that coming up and loads more and if you want to get in touch with us about anything that we're talking about on the show the number to dial is 0818 96 96 96 or you could text or WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96 voice notes are also welcome on that number and you can email us at any time in the opinion line obviously the phone lines are open while the show is on but you can also email us after the show at opinion at 96fm.ie E. Now, earlier this week, we did um, read out a comment from a listener who was talking about the lack of services in some rural areas around Cork and how it can make living out in rural areas quite difficult. And following on from that, Lisa has been in touch with us on the opinion line. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well. Lisa, you're living in Dungorny, which is 12 kilometres outside Middleton in East Cork. And you said in your email to us that you love living there, but, um, you mm. know, it's the, it's the lack of services in the area is, you know, is a problem for you and other people who are living in mm. the area. That's right. <clears throat> like a number of things that I have heard from, say, neighbours mm. and local people, the feedback was... <clears throat> one of the services missing is simply a pedestrian crossing in the village. <clears throat> that particularly because there's a school, there's a small shop down there and a lot of people cross up and down. Um, and also in recent years now, there's an astro pitch in a playground. So there's more children as well as adults crossing. And it's a very busy main road. Now, I understand for a number of years, there was possibly a budget collected. Mm. 
And one of the local people who was trying to get that organised got knocked down twice. And it still didn't go through, which Ireland's a great country. There's many good things, you know, functioning here. But I just can't understand why when there's a need, it can't be reviewed and looked into again and done. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense. And then there's another thing, which is I found out after years of living here, there is a rural bus scheme. It took me a number of years to find out. It's it's very good. It runs two days a week. But we've no public bus transport whatsoever, mm. which, OK, maybe years ago there wasn't a need. People travel by car. Maybe the village was smaller, but there's a large estate built here now. Mm. There's growing families here now. Some of those families, their children are already reaching need for third level and need to get to work. Mm-hmm. Families can't run two cars, especially when the housing is designed for low income, lower income people. Mm. And there's no public transport at all. We're 12 kilometres to Middleton and that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's not miles away. And he Even said, you know, we, we hear... We hear from politicians that, you know, we need to increase the amount of bus use across the country yes. and we're trying to cut down Less on the cars. second car. Yeah. yeah. And yet for And people, develop rural areas. But that's it. You know, and but this is this is going on since before twenty fourteen, no public transport here. And I've actually written to Bus Erin. Uh, my neighbours, we did consider trying to sign a petition list and lobby or something, because what we've been discussing is even if there was a bus early in the morning to take the adult children into work or even adults into work. Mm. And then, you know, something around five o'clock and maybe something late in the evening. Like even my neighbours, I was discussing with them recently and they're struggling with petrol costs right now to work in Cork Mm -hmm. and could avail of a public bus if it was there. Um, So you've got a growing population of kids. You've got a number of uh, houses here that say average two children, maybe three per household growing up towards third level and work as well later. Mm. And also there's older people here and we will also be older population later Mm. uh, who may not be able to drive eventually. We don't know. So there is no provision for this whatsoever. Um, No development of it. I have no idea why. And even we discussed that maybe... You know, you were saying there about children growing up and going to college. I mean, like if there's no bus service, does that mean then that either they buy a car and, you know, they can't really afford it or that the parents have to drive them everywhere? Exactly. Which means if the parent's working, that's kind of impossible Mm. uh, or limiting it. And it also means that, for example, mothers here, say, for example, their husband was working and at work, they had no access to anything, not to medical appointments, services in Middleton. You'd have Mm. to pay a taxi to get in out. What we've done sometimes is car shared out of desperation, which is a good thing. But, you know, there's no way of getting there at all. When their husbands at work, you're just locked out there all day long. So that's not great for anybody for lots of reasons. So that's an essential service we really need in this area. Um, You know, what we have thought about is even if the rural bus was extended uh, to run four times a day, ongoing like they've done it in other towns such as mm. Shanigarry there was no bus for years there's one now three or four times a day it helps you know and I'm sure so, that Dungorny's um, not the only place in Cork that is yeah. crying out for these kind of services and if there's anybody yeah. out there who'd like to let us know about their area the number of course is 0818 96 96 96 and Lisa mm. it's not just the lack of um, buses and the pedestrian crossing there's mm. also an issue you were saying that there is a local shop and a post office but mm. there seems to mm. be um, empty space that you know where you could develop yeah. it even more and have you know a bigger shop maybe for more um, provisions for people and a chemist maybe you know even Mm. uh, on the doorstep which to be able to walk to is essential otherwise you have to drive to the nearest towns to get pretty much anything including chemist you know and that would affect the local community as well like there's elderly population around here I've met them on the rural bus 
And, you know, I think to have a chemist um, here would be handy. Mm. A, a petrol station would be a lot to ask for. But as far as I know, there's no petrol station between um, uh, Fermoy and Middleton or Castle Martyr, which is quite high. It's mm. a very busy road. There's a lot of trucks, agricultural things, stuff like that. Mm. But then I did inquire and there would it would be very difficult to put in a petrol station as well, for example, because it needs to be back from the road. There's restrictions you know, insurance and all that kind of thing and safety, but maybe in Mogili, which isn't so far away, mm. um, but that might have more space. I don't know, but definitely a chemist and a shop. I understand there's an empty space of council land next to the church. Mm-hmm. Again, there could be restrictions on how close to the church you can put a building. I don't know, but uh, just thoughts. It would be a great space for a centre or even for the post office to be able to expand their shop that you have more range, like even lunch uh, items and things like that, you know. Mm. Uh, for parents. And then again, there's a much bigger population coming through now for the playground and for GAA to use the Astro Pitch and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I do think a toilet could be provided for people at playgrounds in general, mm. uh, maybe would be an option or on some way of getting to water, I suppose. But then again, they can bring their water or go down to the local shop. But I think a toilet in your playgrounds would be not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I think, think there's toilets for here. a lot of the playgrounds in the city as well, Lisa. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm. you know, it's it's something a parent said to me the other day. And like, what are they supposed to do, especially with small kids? Mm. You're in a public playground, no toilet around. And then as well, I think there's two toilets here, but they're only for the uh, purposes of using the Astro Pitch. As far as I know now, they're locked. Yeah. Other than that, you know, but it's just small. Like, it's great to have the planning. I know there's budgets. It's great to have the services. But if something isn't working, pause, review it and improve it instead of leaving it three quarters of the way there, you know, is what comes yeah. across to me, even though it's great to have anything at all, and Lisa, especially I think in current Im- times. It's important to note that you're not giving out about the place as in that, you mm. know, you're happy to live out there. You love your house, yeah, you beautiful. love your neighbours. Mm. It's just the fact mm. that when, you know, we're being encouraged to maybe try and move out towards more rural areas to mm. ease congestion in the urban areas, exactly. but yet there's no services in the rural areas. Exactly. It's just a lack of the full forethought and putting everything there that would be needed especially when you're when you put in um you know when you provide or organize to have a a growing population there Mm. you know and and the population's expanding when you need to have the social structure to support that then yeah you know that's the issue it's just the frustration of it you know and observing it and it's unnecessary but again i suppose you know the extra things might be luxuries but certainly for this area public bus system is essential and even, for example, if you have somebody here with disability and they have free travel, well, there's no point because there's no bus to get onto. Mm. So they have to drive to Middleton or get a lift in or a taxi to, to be able to use the free travel, for example. You know, so that's going to affect older people. Um, and Lisa, so have you that, so like public these bus concerns with public representatives? I've mailed a TD about it. All right. I've noticed she tends to get a lot of things done. Mm. Uh, she is in the Castle Martyr area and I noticed, for example, down there they've been trying to get uh, simply a community hall for years. Mm. They've been onto the radio, they have gone onto TDs and there's some hold up and the budget is there. And now I think the last I heard they have to hold meetings in the chipper because they, they just can't get permission for a community hall. Mm. I don't understand that. I don't know why. I know there's usually reasons for things, but surely they can be reviewed when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, so... Pretty good. I've mailed her about it and I'm waiting to hear back. She is very busy and I know that she has definitely shifted things in Castle Martyr. So, mm. you know, she's council annual to me. For example, she's local, so I've noticed she has. Yeah. So, yes, but at this stage, I'm thinking we're going to have to form a committee here and locally 
and, you know, in combination with the local community, try and see, can we get the public bus sorted? Uh, maybe a pedestrian, the pedestrian crossing approved and done. Mm. Hopefully, like it is quite dangerous, the road otherwise, and you're going through a small village and there's children and people go up and down to the school and the school population has increased a lot. Um, you know, and you, you have parents and children now, they're trying to park around the side of the estate to get at the playground. There's no proper parking. They're doing their best. You know, you're kind of struggling around each other and that wasn't foreplanned either. Yeah. They're putting in more housing than as well yeah. without parking enough for the playground already. And, so you they know, are putting um, in, they're putting in more housing in the area, but just not increasing. And still there's no parking properly for the playground and uh, no pedestrian crossing. Uh, with the population increasing on the main road. And it is quite a dangerous main road. Like, it's quite hard to see in visibility. Um, so I think that, I personally think that would be essential, but that's my opinion. I don't know what the restrictions are, mm. but even little barriers to slow down people coming in, and that would help, I think. Yeah. Because sometimes people park in the church grounds, and then they walk across children and all to get at the uh, playground and astro pitch and things, and sure, you're crossing a main road there with no pedestrian crossing at all. Yeah. So I do think those two things, but especially the bus service, that's going to be an up and coming problem mm-hmm. unless it's resolved. And I know that, for example, some of the people here are so frustrated with it. They're considering trying to move elsewhere because sure, they're, how are they going to manage in the future? Yeah. How can they get to work, hospital services? You know, uh, it's nearly driving them to tears, the thought of it. Like it's, it's fantastic to be living in an area and very grateful, obviously. And it's long term rentals, you know. Mm-hmm. So everybody's very grateful for that, of course. And there's lots else going on in the world in the current crisis. But um, yeah, they, 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 it needs to be resolved, really. Yeah. You okay. know? It does, Lisa. And thank you very much for highlighting it and for contacting us on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM today. Lisa is right. You know, we're trying to move populations out of urban areas, bring them into the rural areas where there would be more space. But yet, if the services are not there, how are how are people supposed to get to and from work and college and school and, you know, trying to get into the nearest town, as Lisa said, for a pharmacy, but yet there's no bus service. Um, it doesn't really make any sense. If anybody else is in a similar situation and they'd like to share their story, you can all get in touch. 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96. And just, we were speaking on the show a couple of weeks ago about NCT tests and I think it was Paul had contacted us and he was speaking to PJ about trying to get an NCT um date for his uh, NCT test and um, I think he was down in Skibbereen if I remember correctly and he wasn't able to get an appointment until November and we had lots of people contacting the show that day saying that they were um, the same, that they weren't able to get an appointment till much much later in the year Um, and some people were ringing in saying that they were after getting a cancellation but I see today in the examiner that um, the Road Safety Authority has said that um, there are delays. Um, people could be waiting up to six months for some centres. But they said that Gardaí have said that if a motorist is detected driving a vehicle without a valid NCT cert and can provide proof of a scheduled test date, a Garda will take this evidence into consideration. And I suppose that's going to give some people um, a relief when they hear that this morning because there were people wondering what, like, what happens if I get stopped 
not by the guards and I don't have an NCT um, and it's not my fault but um, that we hear now today in the, exa- in the examiner that the RSA have said that Gardaí will take evidence into consideration if you can show that you have a scheduled test date. More on that coming up and um, we will talk to, um, shortly now to um, the education manager of MECPATS about child, tra- tra- child trafficking here in Cork. Now, as I mentioned before the break, I was going to be looking at the issue of tri- child trafficking, particularly here in Cork, and an organisation called MECPATS, which is Mercy Efforts for Child Protection Against Trafficking with the hospitality sector, is offering training to people in the hospitality sector to help them identify signs of child trafficking. And joining me now to talk about this is MECPATS Education Manager Anne Mara. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Fiona. And why are you specifically um, giving this training to people in the hospitality sector, first of all? Well, um, the hospitality sector is inadvertently used by individuals seeking to exploit um, a child. And that's because, as we all know, hotels um, provide a certain amount of anonymity and privacy. And unfortunately, um, traffickers will use locations such as hotels in order to exploit children. And what, with the training then that you're giving to the hotel staff for signs to look out for, what kind of signs do they need to be aware of? So we work um, with individual hotels, but also with hotel groups across the country. And there are a lot of hotel groups, most recently the Delata Hotel Group, who has taken on this training as part of their mandatory staff induction training, which is really encouraging. But basically, when we talk to staff and management um, in hotels, we are looking at indicators that relate to various different um, roles within the hotel. So we'll, we'll have different indicators pertaining to those working front of house, um, those working in accommodation, those working in the bar and restaurant. But basically, I mean, they're really not, I mean, they're they're almost like common sense indicators, if you will. Mm. Um, some of them could, some of the more general ones would be if a child um, is being restricted, mediated or controlled in their communication, so not allowed to speak for themselves, if they've no freedom of movement or are constantly being monitored, or if there um, is an avoidance of um, or reluctance to give personal information or answer questions about themselves, signs of malnourishment, poor hygiene. And so what we really stress when we're doing our training is that when there are a number of red flags uh, showing and you have really that, that we all have that gut feeling that something just isn't right, then we would say that um, the authority should be alerted. And we did have a case in Cork. Now, we aren't naming the hotel in this situation, but um, the one of the hotel workers was alert to these signs and it turned out that the person that they suspected had been child trafficking was indeed child trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was a case I, I know was uh, reported this week, but that was um, happened a few years ago. It was before my time. Okay. But yes, it just shows you the power of um, this kind of education and awareness raising that if tra- staff are trained to, to even be cognizant for the potential of child trafficking to occur within our own country, it can be very, very powerful and save a child's life. Because I think for the most, most uh, probably most of your listeners thinking there would just say, well, gosh, child trafficking, does that really happen in this country? And it absolutely does. And it has been documented here. And you may have heard on the 
media yesterday, the case that broke about um, a man bringing a child in from the Ukraine into mm. this country. Yes. Um, and that child was not related to that man. And it turns out that he had trafficked her into this country. And, you know, that's the, I mean, it's, it's there on our doorstep and it's really incumbent on all of us, especially those frontline professionals who are most likely to encounter a victim of child trafficking, to get this awareness training, to understand the potential for it and to know what signs to look out for and if they see something to be able to report that. You mentioned their frontline services. So are you providing this training to other um, sectors, not just the hospitality yes. sector? Absolutely. So we ju- we started out with the hospitality industry back in 2013, but we've since um, expanded our reach due to the demand, really. So we're working with social workers, teachers, medical staff, airport staff, um, airline staff, private security guards. And we also work in universities across the country because these emerging professionals who are going to go into the social work profession um, are, are really primed in terms of when they're being educated mm. around their profession to be cognizant of this as an issue. So something to be on their radar. And how are people responding to this training? Are they responding well? Generally, Generally, very, very well. And I have to say, unfortunately, it has taken um, a dire situation such as the war in Ukraine Mm. and the arrival and the influx of so many vulnerable women and children into this country for it really to make um, um, headlines in this country and for people to to start using the the words, even the language around child trafficking. And so um, the demand really has increased hugely. Um, since the beginning of this year as those professionals realise the real need for them to be aware Mm. of the signs and know what to do if they see something. And are people afraid then of being too suspicious that, you know, they don't want to cause hassle and report it in case they cause, um, you know, a situation that, you know, like, are you coming across that? Are people trying to... You know, like when you're you're training people, do you have to try and get them to kind of see things differently? Well, the way I mean, really, when, say, for in, instance, if we're working with the hospitality industry, um, it's really important that management have it, but are, are bought in from the very onset and that mm. there are reporting protocols in place so that it's not just an individual member of hospitality raising the alarm and and going to the guards but it's we're asking the staff as a whole so so if somebody is checking in say with a child and there are red flags that they would then get in contact with their their other staff members those working in accommodation or their those in the bar and restaurant and say look remember that training we did with mechpaths i've just got a few red flags keep an eye out and so we're asking that the staff and management work as a whole um in in providing a safe environment for that child and just being aware that if anything is out of the ordinary and if there are multiple red flags that that, that the authorities will be contacted and we always say you know what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. You know, the guardie are not going to arrive on the premises with blue lights flashing. You know, they're very discreet and um, and address all of these with, with confidentiality, all of these situations. And so we say, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, you, you can be wrong. Um, but if you're right, you save a child's life from a lifetime of slavery and exploitation. 
You you mentioned Ukraine and the war, and that's obviously a danger point at the moment. But are there mm-hmm. other flows of human traffic that people don't think of? Well, I know that. Well, we know that in 2018, Europol published a report that categorically stated that there were Nigerian girls being moved from Western Africa into Ireland mm. for the purpose of sexual exploitation. So you see, the problem with child trafficking or human trafficking in general is that it is very hidden crime. So a lot of this is, takes place, you know, um, almost hidden in plain sight, as we like to say in the anti-human trafficking community. So it's just, I think, the more people who are aware of the potential for it, the more people that are comfortable then using the language around it that can say, look, I have a suspicion that somebody has been trafficked. We got a call yesterday. Now, we don't give out advice ourselves, mm. um, but we can certainly signpost um, people. But people are calling us going, look, we there's this person, we don't know what to do, and we signpost them. So for anybody with any kind of suspicions, the Gardaí do have a designated anti-human trafficking team. And it's their responsibility to investigate suspicions or um, red flags um, scenarios. So Mm. obviously, if a child is in immediate immediate danger, it's the 999-112 number. But if you have a suspicion, your local guard station is there to to call to. And if you want to report anonymously, there's the Garda Confidential Hotline at 1-800-666-111. Or you can email blueblindfold at garda.ie. all of those reporting protocols are up on our website if people want to take a closer look at that. But there are ways to report your suspicions. It doesn't mean that you're calling the guardie with blue flashing lights immediately mm-hmm. unless it's an emergency for a child. So there are ways in which to, to communicate suspicions. And Anne, um, you mentioned there just a, a little while ago about the blue lights um, and that the blue lights wouldn't be flashing and as the guards pull up at the hotel. But, you know, what does happen then? So if, if um, a, a person who's working in the hospitality sector has their suspicions and they alert the guardie mm-hmm. um, by email emailing blueblindfold at guard.ie or they can, as you said, dial 999. Do the guards then, um, do they turn up to the hotel and, you know, uh, have a chat with the person or what happens then if they're not coming with the blue lights flashing? Well, it is, well, that's their responsibility and how they choose to investigate the situation. But like we always say to hotels and most hotels across the country will have a really good working relationship with their community guard. So the community guard might come in a couple of times a year and talk to the staff about what to do in the event of an armed robbery or whatever. And we say, have that conversation around the fact that if you have suspicions about a child who checks in with an older man who 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 are not related um or or whatever or there might be some 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 signs of suspicion what do you do in that situation and have the guard work with you in terms of okay can we just and to have to be able to pick up the phone and just say look you know remember we talked about the situation this has happened so it's really just i suppose opening up the conversation around the potential for it to happen. And I think that really goes a long, long way. And before I left, let you go, um, obviously the whole issue of child trafficking made headlines uh, recently when Mo Farah spoke out about his own experience and that he was trafficked yeah. to Britain when he was nine. Do you think that by speaking out he has helped raise awareness of the situation? Tremendously so. Tremendously so. He was so... Um, so brave in in communicating um, what happened to him. Mm. But like when you think about him, it took him almost 20 years 
to yeah. even come to terms with that situation. And he has, you know, he's a, such a beloved um, figure within society and he is he's, he's so respected for so many reasons. And to think that he himself had difficulty talking about what happened to him, it just shows you, you know, it is incredibly difficult. But I know, I do know that since he's revealed his story, the amount of um, calls to the hotline in the UK, the anti-human trafficking hotline, mm. have increased exponentially because people were given the freedom to say, you know what, I maybe didn't know to call it child trafficking, but I do know that I was exploited in, in such and such a way. Um, and that was also a good thing that he did. He opened up the conversation. It's not necessarily just about the sexual exploitation mm -hmm. of children, but it includes forced begging, forced criminality, domestic servitude, forced marriage, forced labour. There's so many different elements to child trafficking, although we know that sexual exploitation is by far the greatest type of exploitation that children are trafficked for, but it's not the only kind. Anne Mara, Education Manager at MECPATS, thank you for taking the time to talk to me on the opinion line this morning and for giving us such a detailed um, analysis of what goes on with that training of frontline staff to try and spot the signs of anyone who is being child trafficked. And the information, again, if you want to report something that you find is suspicious, it's blue blindfold at garda.ie and the number to call is 1-800-666-1. And of course, you can always dial 9 in an emergency if um, and also if anybody has experienced this or a similar situation they can contact the Cork Sexual Violence Centre it's info at sexualviolence.ie they also have a free phone number and that is 1-800-496-496 or you can text 087-153-3393 um, some of the comments that are coming in to us earlier I was speaking to Liz about the lack of services in Dungourney and how, you know, she said that herself and her neighbours have chosen to live out there. It's a great place to go and live, but the lack of services is really putting people off. And Trevor has been in touch to say, we are paying property tax and what do we get for it? Time we got on to our TDs and asked them, what's the plan for the next five years? For our villages, they need traffic lights, roundabouts and pedestrian crossings. Thank you for that, Trevor. And if anybody else is living in a village and they'd like to let us know what life is like, they can always get in touch with us here at 0818 now, I did say at the start of the show that we have some positive news uh, with regards to the Mangala section of the Bus Connects. Now, Bus Connects, one of the routes um, proposed for the plan is that um, a bit bridge will be built over the Mangala in Douglas and a lot of people have been very annoyed about this plan because it's going to they say destroy the wildlife there and destroy the lovely green area that they have there for the Douglas area. But Councillor Shane O'Callaghan, um, I believe you have some good news on this front. Good morning. Uh, good morning Fiona, how are you? I, I do indeed. Um, look, Fiona, first, firstly, I would like to thank um, Douglas Tidy Towns and, and people like Nina O'Neill in, in the Douglas Now Facebook page and um, Marie Cregan in the Douglas Post for raising um, local awareness about this proposed bridge and about the, the devastating impact that it would have on the Mangala. Mm. Um, and just to give you a background to the whole situation now, um, on the 18th of July, 
um, representatives of the National Transport Authority, including significantly the Deputy Chief Executive of the NTA, who, with special responsibility for Bus Connects Cork, Hugh Cregan, attended a meeting of the Roads and Transportation Committee of Cork City Council. Okay, mm. And at that meeting, um, several city councillors, including myself, look, you know, raised concerns voice our concerns about the current bus connects proposals and their potentially negative impact on the community sorry Shane it's just the line has gone hello? a bit funny there yeah. hello can you hear me can you hear me I can hear you now yeah I it's just the line is dropping there a little yeah. bit um Oh, yeah, sorry. So, so Hugh Cregan, look, who's the man basically tasked by the NTA with overseeing the entire Cork Bus Connects project, indicated at that meeting that he would be willing to meet with councillors individually uh, to discuss their concerns about the impact of Bus Connects. So, you know, taking Mr. Cregan at his word, I contacted subsequently relevant officials in City Hall, and, and after a few days, I managed to, to get uh, Mr. Cregan's contact details. Mm-hmm. I then... Um, asked uh, Mr. Cregan if he'd be willing to have a meeting with representatives of Douglas Tidy Towns so that they could outline how devastating the proposed bridge over the Mangala would be. And in fairness to Hugh Cregan, he did agree to have that meeting. That meeting subsequently happened yesterday, um, and it consisted of myself, the chairman of Douglas Tidy Towns, Sean Levy, uh, and the treasurer of Douglas Tidy Towns, uh, Tara de Montfort, and we did an online meeting with um, Mr. Cregan and another representative of uh, the NTA. And out the, at that meeting, we outlined to him we were talking to Councillor Shane O'Callaghan about the Bus Connects issue and he was saying that he and along with a group of others had secured a meeting with Mr Hugh Cregan who is the Deputy Chief Executive of the National Transport Authority and the meeting happened last night. Now Shane, good morning. Have morning, you back? Fiona. We have Sorry. you back there in a better line, yeah. So <laughs> what happened at the meeting? <laughs> So basically, at the meeting, um, I don't know what you heard and didn't hear. I was just, I was just talking away there. So um, basically, the meeting consisted of myself and the chairman of Douglas City Towns, Sean Liddy, and the treasurer of uh, Douglas City Towns, Tara de Montfort, and, uh, and, and basically, and Mr. Cregan and another representative of the NTA. And at that meeting, we outlined to him how important the Mangala is to Douglas and the people of Douglas as, as a green space, as a public amenity, as a, a wildlife and nature reserve. And as a haven of tranquility, um, where local people can relax and escape from the, the hustle and bustle of city life. Um, we also would have outlined how important the Mangala has beco- had become for people during COVID. Um, when so, so often during COVID, during the lockdowns, you know, particularly the lockdowns when we were, you know, you were restricted to within a, a certain radius of your home. Mm. Which, you know, the people in Douglas could it was the only place they could go to relax during during those lockdowns. Uh, we then detailed the devastating impact that the proposed bridge would have on the Mangala and how the overwhelming uh, negative impacts of the bridge would far outweigh any potential benefits um, of constructing the bridge. Um, and look, in fairness, having listened to our concerns, Hugh Gregan, who, as I said, is basically um, the man responsible, ultimately tasked by the NTA with overseeing the entire Bus Connects project in Cork, indicated to us, and this is the significant thing, he indicated to us that the NTA was willing to reconsider the proposed bridge over the Mangala. And he also confirmed that the NTA was not wedded to the idea of a bridge and that Bus Connects could work without a bridge, mm. without a bridge like that. So okay. I have to say that both myself and the representatives of Tidy Towns were very encouraged by what, we, what he had to say. And in my view, it's, it's, a, very, it's a decisive step 
um, in the direction of ensuring that the bridge doesn't happen at all. Um, but, Fiona, having said that, and I think it's very important that the public continue to make their opposition to the bridge known by continuing to make submissions to the NTA and voicing that opposition. And <clears throat> the submissions, I mean, if, if, you, if you want to know the details of how yeah, you can do it. I was it, just going to say to you, um, if you want to just remind yeah. people how they can make those submissions, because I think that there's been about 200 individual submissions just with regards to the Mangala alone already. Yeah, yeah no, and, and it's very important that, you know, we reiterate that. And, and I mean, it, 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 it's always good as well to be submissions in those not, not just a matter of saying, you know, we're, we're against this, why we're against it, you know, outlining why the reasons why it's a, it's a bad idea and why it shouldn't happen. So they can be sent online uh, via consult.nationaltransport.ie or by posting them to Bus Connects Cork National Transport Authority, Suite 3581 Horgan's Key, Waterford Square, Cork. Um, and, that's, and the air code is T12PPT8. And um, maybe if you want to, I'll put it up on my Twitter feed anyway, and maybe okay. if you'd like to do the same. Um, just an, an important point is the closing date for the submissions is, is Monday the 3rd of October. Any submissions after that will be too late. Mm. And this is important because <clears throat> um, I've been told that um, a lot of local residents would have got literature uh, from a number of councillors recently, which stated that the closing date for submissions is the 9th of October. That That's incorrect. It's not it's the 9th the of, October. of October. It's the 3rd of October. It's the 3rd of October. So any submissions after the 3rd, but before the 9th, it be, will be too late. And so it's, it's consult.nationaltransport.ie Consult.nationaltransport.ie And the, the postal address is Bus Connects Cork, National Transport Authority, Suite 358, 1 Horgan's Key, Waterford Square, Cork. Um, and so look, I mean... <laughs> I, and as well as that, I suppose, as well, yeah. Shane, you mentioned Nina there and she Nina, was yeah. talking to me on the show on Monday and she was talking about the petition that she has set up. And for anybody who wants to sign that petition, the easiest yeah. way to find it is to Google Save the Mangala Uplift and it's the first result there and they can sign their name. And I think yeah, she and, will and, have and, those, that petition in by, be, before the October 3rd deadline as well. Yeah, and in fairness to Nina, she's done fantastic um, mm. work in, in raising uh, public awareness of, of this issue and, and both need for for us to ensure that it's it, that, that it's opposed. But like I have to do, I do have to say again that the uh, I found the and I uh, and I hope I'm right in this, but I found our meeting with Hugh Cregan, who, as I say, is the, the person ultimately responsible for bus connection Cork, was yeah. very productive. I would have thought, and and as I say that. I, I think we really did get the point home about the importance of the Mangala and about how a bridge over it would have a devastating impact. And as I say, he did say, as I say, that they were willing to reconsider the, the entire proposal in that regard okay. and, and that they weren't wedded to the idea and that, crucially, Bus Connects can work without the bridge. So if they, if they can work without the bridge, they're, willing, they're not wedded to it and they're willing to reconsider it. Mm. I think they're all very positive um, things to be coming from the, the, the person tasked by the NTA with, with overseeing Indeed the project. Indeed they are. Brilliant. Councillor Shane O'Callaghan, it is definitely something they'll be watching out for and I'm sure it's giving people a little glimmer of hope in the Douglas area this morning that they can save the Mangala. Uh, thanks for bringing us up to speed with that, Councillor Shane O'Callaghan, something we will be following here on the Opinion Line over the next couple of months. And if you are in that area and you want to get in touch, it's 0818 96 96 96.
96. And if you have a smartphone or tablet, then grab the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app now and listen to your favourite shows on the go. And if you have a smart speaker, remember you can ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM is the home of even more music choice, streaming online all the time. The Fit Mix plays the best tunes for your workout and Cork's 96FM's Hit Mix brings you the freshest new music non-stop. Listen on our phone app, play us on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. Now, um, we know that people who are working in the um, music and entertainment sector have been hit pretty hard by COVID and it's been a very difficult time for them over the last couple of years and they were promised a grant by the government and they were expecting to receive it in April but it's been delayed again and it may be um, as late as October or even November before they get this grant and joining me now to talk about it is Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland spokesperson Matt McGranahan. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Thank you very much for having us on. You're most welcome. And Matt, this is not the news that people were were hoping for. No, certainly not. I mean, the, the, the first mention of the kind of universal basic income, as it was first called, or then basic income for arts, was back in November 2020. Uh, and it was really being heralded and signalled as, you know, the panacea for the music industry it, in fairness to it it is very groundbreaking mm. um, and one of the most significant interventions by the state in, in support of the arts industry in Ireland um, but since then you know it, is, it, it that was November 2020 we were in the middle of the pandemic we we're you know six months into the pandemic at that stage uh, where musicians and entertainers and people in the arts industry were so severely hit uh, the task force was was delivered with finding a solution to help through Help, help, help get people through the, 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 the pandemic safely. Mm. And, you know, restrictions lifted uh, back in January. The, the industry went on to endure another, you know, 14, 15 months of, of a huge uncertainty after that, uh, where PUP was up and down, where the supports weren't uh, forthcoming as quick as they should be, where a lot of fighting had to be done. Uh, to, in order to try and get some significant business supports to musicians and, and, and entertainers out there. And now we're in, in the middle of another crisis, the cost of living crisis. And, Matt, have and things not picked have... up for people in the in the music and entertainment sector? Because, you know, we have so many different gigs and concerts and festivals happening, particularly across the summer, and people are dying to get out and are, are going to these things. Or is that a misconception? I think a misconception uh, mostly that if you speak to, and I have been lucky enough to speak to a few people uh, who, who seem to be the exception rather than the norm, who say they've never, ever been busier, mm. uh, and, and no matter, even since before the pandemic. But from January until about, you know, six or seven weeks, maybe about two months ago, there was a, there was a slowness in, in movement uh, and activity, and then over the past couple of months there's been a great burst of activity but even in the past couple of weeks we're getting phone calls already from people across the country saying that they're getting really concerned that cancellations have already started from sort of August onwards mm. uh, that the cost of living crisis there's just not enough disposable income um, and then the, the other big thing is there is an awful lot of activity around but that's just to, uh, it's just sort of saturating the market there's yeah. so much stuff happening at, uh, in the past few, uh, in the past while, and over the summer, that uh, you know the crowds are kind of uh, down here, there, and everywhere. 
Uh, and across yeah, because even myself, board, like I've, about- I've spoken to some of the, you know, the comedians and musicians, some of the bigger names, and the, you know, you would imagine that all they have to do is put their name on a bill and it's going to sell <clears> out. <throat> and they said no, that they're finding it really difficult to sell tickets. Yeah, ticket sales are really, really concerning, and ticket sales are are, are often a very good indicator for for us uh, and how things are going to look in a few months' time. Mm. And the reality is, ticket sales are very, very slow for for the majority of of say Irish based performers and Irish based workers and things like that. I mean, a lot of international shows that may be coming to Ireland uh, are doing great. You know, they're 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 selling out huge tickets mm. here, there, and everywhere. But uh, that, you know, those workers and, and that that. That money is, is leaving this economy and, and heading away. We're interested, really, in the in the economy that's that's staying here. Yeah. Uh, the workers that are keeping that 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 um, money within the economy here in Ireland. So this grant the that the government is, promised, Matt, what kind of a difference will hmm. it make to people then? Well, look, I know it's 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 kind of it's controversial anyway, in that that it only it only applies to two thousand people, hmm. but I mean it's 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 a, a monumental difference, really. That someone will be able to concentrate on their on their work, um, because you know, and everyone thinks that um, did you go out for a couple of you go out for a couple of hours, uh, and that's what you get paid for. But the reality is, there's an awful lot of work on scene. There's the practice and the rehearsal and everything like that that goes on, uh, and that's from everyone from from uh, I, I, someone who sings or performs locally in bars to someone who's in theatres or anything like that. There's still the rehearsal and the training that goes on at all times. And that's all part and parcel of of being an artist or being a musician mm-hmm. or being an entertainer and staying on top of your game. And there's, you know, there's all the administration that goes on around organising gigs and, and doing everything like that as well. So that money was to, to, to kind of, that money was there to sort of reward and to uh, the, 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 the unpaid or the, the often unseen and unpaid mm-hmm. part that goes into your work. Matt, obviously the grant is going to make um, a huge difference to the artists, but do you think as well as given this grant, the government needs to look at other um, supports? I mean, like we've heard time and time again of how uh, people can't go to gigs because they can't afford the hotel prices in places. They can't afford, you know, it's not, the the ticket sales themselves can be quite expensive for the various different concerts, but then they also have to pay for costly hotels and meals out and, you know, with the cost of inflation going up, like going to a concert now, is so much more expensive than it would have been a couple of years ago. Yeah, it, it, it really is, and that's 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 another huge threat that's that's hampering upon the industry at the moment as well. Mm. Is that you know people just don't have that disposable income, uh, and so if they do want to go to a particular concert or something, they get now they're they're finding that they can't even uh, stay over uh, and go out for the night or something like that, and that's having a huge effect on the music industry. So much so that people aren't uh, choosing just not to buy tickets to gigs as well mm. uh, and, and you know this is really happening you know when you're when you're when you see prices of maybe five six or seven hundred quid for a night in Dublin that's having a real negative impact uh, on the music and entertainment industry as well obviously as the tourist industry you know but it's having a huge impact we've had a, a very you know two of the worst years that the the industry ever ever suffered you know 680 days of restrictions uh, and 680 days of no work for the majority of people mm. in the industry. Um, we come back to this and we're finding a very, very tough, very, very tough uh, few months. Uh, the, the, what's going to come in September and the winter, or September, autumn and, the, and into the winter, 
as anybody's guess, but at, at the moment it's not looking good. So the industry does need support. And our fear, the biggest problem is that the, the, the funding that was delivered to this industry over the past couple of years during the pandemic just won't be there come October yeah. uh, or come budget 2023. And so the, the government really does need to step up and, and really does need to support this industry again by bringing in funding and subsidising events and gigs like what you're talking about there for the, for the public as well to go to because Indeed. we need the public support in order to have the thriving industry. Exactly. Matt McGranahan from the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland, thank you very much for joining me on the Opinion Line this morning. And if you are an artist out there who is struggling and, you know, it's, it's great to have entertainment and, and concerts back, but if you find that it's it's kind of very tough still to make a living, you can let us know here on 0818 96 96 96. Or indeed, if you're somebody who loves going to concerts and loves going to gigs, but you just can't afford it at the minute with the cost of everything, let us know as well. Text um, or what. WhatsApp 0833969696. Now, before the news, I was speaking to Councillor Shane O'Callaghan about Bus Connects, and he had um, him and another group had secured a meeting with the Deputy Chief Executive of the National Transport Authority, who said that they were surprised by the public outpouring um, and the opposition to the proposed bridge over the Bangala. And he said that they're not wedded to the bridge and that they will have a look at it. Um, Councillor Tony Fitzgerald. Gerald has been in touch first of all to say it's great that the NTA met with reps from Douglas I hope they meet residents from Knocknahini also and Councillor Terry Shannon you've also been in touch to say that um, this bridge that they're talking about over the Mangala um, it's it, you have a different you were saying that it's a Cork City Council project that was created by Cork County Council before the boundary change and has been on the cards for the last 10 years yeah, uh, Fiona, and thanks for leaving me on. And, and I speak as a resident up here. I use the Mangala nearly every day. My kids play down there uh, as children. They're all in their late 20s now, so I know the place very well. Yeah. Long before it was developed by the county and they've made a great job of it. So we've inherited that. But I think there's there's a bit of confusion on this. This is not a Bus Connects project. This is a city council project. And I made that very clear at the last public meeting with myself and Mary Rose Desmond. And we attended the meeting down and dear Kieran McCarthy uh, last week in the Mangla. We met with residents and I said very clearly to them that at a, a, that the last Zoom meeting we had with the NTA in relation to Bus Connects, Hugh Cregan made it clear to us at that time that they were necessary, they would have another look at it. And I actually mm. said that publicly down there last week. So this is nothing new in that sense. But I made the point that while the NTA bus connects might have a look at it and might not, and there is no bus corridor proposed for this link at present, uh, if you look at all the bus connects brochures, mm. this, is an, this is a city council project that was inherited from the county council. Ten years ago, the county council proposed that bridge over the Mangla. Uh, they went as far as design, but they didn't go to planning because obviously the boundary extension came in. Mm. So as we speak, and I checked this out with our infrastructure people last week, there is a design team in City Hall designing this bridge, which is to land, it's designed to take traffic out of the village and to land on the N20, which is the new uh, port road coming from Ringeskiddy. Right. Now, we made that clear to residents uh, uh, the other night, my own neighbours and that, that we still felt that, you know, people needed to make their submissions to the NTA on this regard, but that this is a planning issue that will be dealt with by City Council. And it's, it's due to come before Council sometime later on this year, be okay. either as a Part 8 or as a Part 10. Okay. In which case, if it's a Part 8, the Councils will decide whether it happens or not. And if it's a Part 10, 
that's a planning uh, uh, technicality that where it's regarded okay. as vital infrastructure it goes straight to the board okay, so well, I, mean, I think Councillor Terry Shannon I'm not sure if the public really understand or you know care about part well, 10 yeah, I think well, it's no, more about can, is this bridge going to go ahead or not and, well, yeah, um, and Councillor Shane O'Callaghan has been in touch to say um, it is correct um, what you're saying is correct however if it goes into yeah. the bus connects plan it's going to be very difficult to reverse and indeed the final say on it may be taken off the hands of Cork City Council no, but you're not, you're not listening to me, Fiona. You're, this is you're just, wrong. I'm reading out a response from Councillor oh, Shane O'Callaghan. And he says yeah. that if it's not in the Bus Connects plan, then it goes to a vote of Council Chamber. And he'd be very surprised if they ratify it because of the strength of public feeling against it. So that's yeah, what I mean, he's, see, the, his, Yeah, his there was confusion responses. because a lot of people thought this was being built as part of the Bus Connects. It's not. Okay. It's a separate project where if it were built, the Bus Connects may go across it. This was designed to take traffic out of Douglas. Now, I'm not in favour of it because I think it will denude where I go for my walk with the Don Chorus mm. and, 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 and that lovely area below, just stone's throw from my house. But I think it's important to make the case here that, or to make sure there's no confusion that this is not a Bus Connects uh, project and people need to understand that. So in your submissions, and we've said this to the public at the meetings below in the Mangla, of course make, make your submissions in relation to the Mangla, but there's a wider issue as well. Yeah. And that, you know, there will be an opportunity for the public to have their say if it's a part eight or a part ten in terms okay. of the, the construction of the bridge. But I, I just worry that people might now take the, 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 the foot off the pedal in this respect and think there's something resolved. Irrespective of bus connects, this is a city council project, and if it is regarded, as I believe it will be regarded, as significant infrastructure, it may, it may well go directly to the board and bypass city councillors in terms of it being designated as a part 10. So, like, the idea that, you know, this is now resolved, it's not. And I think okay. people need to be aware of that and be cognizant of it. Now, we as council okay. will keep people updated. But, you know, I'm just concerned that the message is getting out there because Hugh Keegan said to us on Zoom two weeks ago that necessarily they would have, they would have another look at it as okay. well. So that's nothing new. But there is confusion as to whose project it is. As we speak, that's, that bridge has been designed in City Hall. Okay. Right? So we need to make sure that people understand that, that while Bus Connects have it, but they don't have any bus going across it in their designs, it is possibly something they might do in the future. Okay. But our first port of call is City Hall and City Council and to make sure that everyone is aware that this is a City Council project and if it comes to a part eight, and the public can obviously have a say in that in terms of making yep. submissions, that will be decided on the Council Chamber. Okay. And I All suspect... Right that that would not pass. And I said that at the public meeting uh, last week. Okay. If it goes as a, as a, a, a strategic infrastructure, then it goes straight to the board. So people need to be watching it still. Don't take your foot off the pedal. Make your submissions to um, Bus Connects, but be ready to make submissions to Cork City Council. They will be coming. I suspect this will come to us probably uh, first thing or not long after the summer break. Okay, Councillor Terry Shannon, thanks so much for bringing that important clarification to us. So if anybody is opposed to the bridge, you have to let Bus Connects and Cork City Council know that you are opposed to it. Now, um, Miss Ireland finalists, uh, there's six Miss Ireland finalists from Cork and one of them has been highlighting the condition of ME and that's Miss Cork East, Chloe McCarthy. Chloe, you yourself were diagnosed with ME about four years ago and thanks for joining me on the show this morning to talk about this. Good morning. Um, hello, how are you? I'm well, how are you? 
I'm good, thanks. So Chloe, um, yeah, you have, um, you know, you're you're obviously a Miss Ireland finalist, as I said, but you've been speaking out about ME. For those people who um, have ME, you know, you were saying that it's it's like a silent condition because it's very hard to diagnose. What kind of signs did you have, first of all, and when were you diagnosed with it? Um, I was diagnosed with ME nearly four years ago now. Mm. Um, some of the some of the symptoms that I had was like chronic fatigue, muscle and joint aches and pains, um, sleep disturbances, and a lot of cognitive dysfunction, so a lot of brain fog. And it is very hard for people to get diagnosed with ME because it is an invisible illness, which is very frustrating because we get comments like, "Oh, you're just lazy and you look completely fine," mm. and it is extremely frustrating for people with ME. And so you were saying there that people were accusing you of being lazy. So what way was your life affected when you were suffering with all of these symptoms? Um, it was just, I was about 16 at the time. So it mm. really wasn't normal for a 16 year old to have like, and I would play a match or any kind of exertion on my body physically or mentally would completely bed bound me for like a week or two. I wouldn't be able to go to school like my energy was just completely gone and it just wasn't my usual self because growing up I always played football and soccer and I was very active so this was really not normal for me so being told that like not being believed when I knew myself there was something wrong was really Mm. really hard. And they were doing loads of different tests on you for things like leukaemia and Lyme's disease so when you got the final diagnosis of ME did you know what it was and what was your reaction to it? Um, yeah, I, I really didn't know what it was. I mm. hadn't heard of it before because a lot of people haven't heard of it. It is not talked about enough in the media or anywhere, really. Um, I did not. I really didn't know what it was. It was such a shock when I was so young. Like, um, yeah, it was it was also good because it wasn't something like leukemia and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, when you were told that you had ME, you weren't really sure what it was. How did you go about getting some information as to what it was that you had? Were the doctors able to tell you? And, you know, were you or was there any support groups out there? Yeah, there was, the doctor did tell us a lot of information, but I was only 16 at the time. So my mom did do a lot of research and she mm. was in all the groups, like with all the other parents and stuff, because at the time I didn't really want to didn't really want to talk about it or anything because it was really getting me down at the time. Yeah, and I suppose like when you're 16 and you're still in school and there's so much else going on in your life and then you have to try and uh, take this on board as well. It must have been very difficult. Yeah, it was very difficult to come to terms with. It's like it only in the last year or two have I really come to terms with it and learned how to like like base my energy off like if I had an, a Miss Ireland event now I would stay in bed a few days before and a few days after the event to make sure mm. that I have the energy to actually go through with the day so I'm a lot better now at managing my energy to make sure that I can do certain things like prioritize what I need to get finished and stuff. And is that how you um, deal with it then you just have to make sure that before you have something important coming up in your life that you get a lot of rest beforehand or is there any other kind of treatment that um, is available or you know is it just a matter of um, you know going to bed when you really feel the need when you're just absolutely shattered? Yeah like there's not any medication or anything you can really take for it. It is very difficult to manage. Like when I was younger I did I 
tried to like fight it and it just doesn't work. Mm. I tried to like play matches and then I'd be in bed for two weeks after. Wow. Yeah. And so like if you were like you were doing your leaving cert, obviously, was that um, a difficult time then? Because, you know, it's a stressful time and yeah, you know, if, if you're you're going to be tired anyway. So did this make it just even worse? Hello. Sorry, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you're all right. Joys of technology, <laughs> Chloe. So Chloe, uh, this is Chloe McCarthy. She's Miss Cork East. And you've been talking about your battle with ME. And for people who don't know, ME is a condition that makes people extremely tired to the point where it affects your daily life. And you were telling me that when you were doing your leaving cert, it was a very stressful time. But obviously with the ME, then it made it worse. Yeah, it was extremely hard, especially trying to get the teachers to believe me like they mm. just a lot of them did call me lazy and which was really hard because the leaving side is so stressful already this just brought a lot of added stress onto me for it and um you know stressful situations and loud environments are something that can make your me worse so why did you decide then to enter miss ireland um it was actually when I got diagnosed with ME, like it really, it really mentally put a toll on me. And for the last few years, I just lost all confidence in myself. Mm. So the main reason I entered Miss Ireland was basically to try to get some more confidence back in myself and doing that, raise money and raise awareness for ME. And because there's not a lot of, no one talks about it. There's not a lot of media coverage about it. Mm. And there there needs to be a lot of more research done into it. So I hope that my fundraising can help bring some well-needed re- research. What kind of a reaction have you been getting from people? Have you had people come to you and say, well, I actually have it as well. And, you know, it's great that you're speaking out. There was no support. Or there's very little support out there for people with ME. Um, yeah, I did a an article on the Irish Daily Mail like last week. And there was such a good like response from that. There was a few negative comment- comments mm. as well. But that's always going to come with anything you do on social media, really. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and yeah. Chloe, you know, going into Miss Ireland, um, how has that been for you? Have you been able to, to cope with it with your Emmy? Um, yeah, it's been hard. Like, I did have a fashion show at the weekend and then two days later I had my first judges interviews Mm. and I was so tired that like the brain fog was just really bad and I my interview didn't go as well as I I planned but um I just need to make sure that I do rest before I do these things but I just didn't have time for the last one but it does I don't know it depends on the day with me really how Mm. well I feel and and what was your parents' reaction when you said you were going to enter this contest? Um, they thought it was so funny because I've had so little confidence in myself and I was so shy mm. that I wouldn't even go into the shop for my mom. I used to have to make her go into the shop for me. Yeah. And then now I'm talking on stage and talking on the radio and she just thinks it's <laughs> hilarious. And like, are you able to, like, you know, it affects you obviously on a day-to-day basis, but like, are you able to work? Are you able to get a job? Um, No, I can't work. Unfortunately, I can't. I am in college doing early years and childhood studies in UCC. Mm. But on top of that, I wouldn't be able to work. No, it's just because I'm very like unreliable because I never know what days I'll be good, what days I'll be bad. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And so when you're finished college, like you want to get a job in the early childcare sector, but are you afraid then how the ME is going to affect your ability to work? Yeah, I am a small bit, especially in the earlier sector because my immune system is so bad. Mm. Like kids do like, they get sick a lot and I would be sick a lot in that field of work. So I am very worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. And when is the, the final? When is the Miss Ireland final? Uh, the final is on the 20th of August. The 20th of August. Well, best of luck with yeah. it and uh, we'll be watching out for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and finally, Chloe, um, if anybody, um, you know, suspects that they may have ME, have you any advice for them? Um, I would, the advice I would give is definitely keep pushing because I think you know with your own body when there's something wrong. And if people mm. are telling you you're fine, you're fine, you need to just keep pushing and make sure that you get your diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. Chloe McCarthy, thanks for speaking to me on the opinion line this morning about ME and best of luck with the contest. We'll be keeping an eye out for you and for the other contestants as well. There's, um, I, st- I think there's six finalists from Cork, but Chloe is Miss Cork East. And thank you for talking to me, Chloe. Now, uh, Mary has been in touch. There was an item in the news this morning saying that fewer parents in Ireland are choosing to enrol their children in school at the age of four. And according to the Department of Education, only 17% of junior infants last January were four years old and that's compared to 47% 20 years ago. And Mary has been in touch to say the reason for kids starting schools later is two years free preschool. In my daughter's class some of the kids are 18 months older than her. This is affecting the teaching as they are far more advanced and the curriculum is designed for four-year-olds and not challenging them enough. They have become disruptive. In Canada if a child is kept at home they will be put in a class with people their own age. Yeah Mary, do you know it's actually something that I was talking to um, a friend of mine last night. She's over from the UK visiting family and she said her child is the exact same age as my child. Um, they're both five, um, eight now and um, her child is um, a year ahead of my child in school because she started when she was four and my child started when he was five um, and their birthdays are January time so it was kind of an awkward month anyway to try and make that decision at. But she said that over there the decision is made for them. You Once your child turns four, they start school. Whereas here, I think, you know, as you said, as you rightly pointed out there, you get the two years free preschool and a lot of parents choose um, to send their children when they're five and avail of those two years. And I know that in my child's class, there are kids who are a full year um, um, younger than him. And, you know, it is, it's a, a point and I think it's an issue. I've had a lot of conversations with friends of mine as well about it. And if anybody else would like to get in on that comment, um, you can ring us 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96 Now we a listener to our show said that they are considering becoming estranged from their family due to an issue that they didn't go into any detail with us but it was um, they wanted to know is there a way of making a clean break and avoiding some of the messy reality if they wanted to become estranged from their family and joining me now to talk about family estrangement is Dr Lucy Blake who is a senior lecturer Psychology University at West of England. Good morning, Dr. Lucy. Good morning. Thanks for having me here today. You're very welcome. Family estrangement, it is something that's cropping up an awful lot now, isn't it? More so than it would have a couple of years ago. Why is that? Yes, I think it's something that people talk about much more often than they used to. And in a way, that might be because of the events that we've seen unfold in the royal family has hit the headlines. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a stigma and taboo is maybe breaking around it. 
And yes, it's it's a topic that I think is slowly beginning to open up in general conversation. So for this listener who said that, you know, they wanted to become estranged from their family, but they wanted to make a clean break, avoiding mess, the messy reality. Is, is that possible? Is it possible to just make a clean break from your family? I think it's difficult. It's difficult without knowing more information. But generally, what we find is people who do research on family estrangement is that it has a ripple effect on people's lives. So it's very hard to kind of sever or walk away from one relationship without it then affecting the others. So, for example, if you were going to become estranged from a sibling or from a parent, it might be that there's a family event that comes up, like a mm. wedding or a christening or a funeral. And and then, you know, there's all those decisions about whether to attend. And, and also information is passed back and forth between family members also, including kind of aunts and uncles and extended family members. So sometimes it can be difficult not to be drawn into those kind of ripple effects, I think. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So if you were to become estranged from your parents, the likelihood is that you become estranged from the wider family then as well. I think there is an increased uh, chance that that can happen, yes, because people often won't want other family members to relay information back and forth. Um, so, for example, like where they've moved to or perhaps where their children go to school or mm. or personal information like that, if they really want that to be private and for them to feel kind of safe and that nobody knows where they are, I think... Um, I think that, yes, that can then affect other relationships in the family. I suppose just mentioning children there, um, and I suppose, you know, if you do feel that strongly that you want to separate yourself from your family, do you have to consider as well then, you know, later in life, if you did have children or if you do have children when this estrangement is happening, that they're also going to miss out then as a result? So do you have to take that into consideration as well? I think so. I think that's really central on people's minds as they make these really difficult decisions. Um, 
you know, I very rarely, if ever, have spoken to somebody who's made the decision lightly. It often takes like a lot of time, a lot of effort and years to come to these decisions. Mm. Um, and often children are a big consideration in this. So that's true for people becoming estranged from a sibling as well and whether they'll have contact and communication with their nieces and nephews. So in that, in that way, it really is kind of a messy reality, I think, estrangement, as it's rarely just the one relationship that's impacted. So it's not really, well, it, everything is possible, I suppose, but um, just to make a clean break is a lot more difficult than you might imagine when you initially think, right, that's it, I'm done with my family. Yes, I think so. I think it can be really challenging, yeah. And, you know, I mean, everybody has rows with their family, you know, sometimes, especially those who are very close to us can drive us mad. But, you know, it's not just... Um, you know, is it more about like, you know, so say there might be unresolved tensions or you may have different beliefs in certain things like politics or religion or whatever and um, or, you know, parenting styles, but it, like, what would cause somebody to just cut ties altogether with their family? Yeah, it's such a good question because there are so many conflicts and tensions in everyday family life and I think there's no two estrangements the same. So there's so many different reasons and factors can, that can lead to that breakdown. So some examples might be people just not feeling safe in their relationships, so feeling like they're experiencing um, some kind of abuse in that relationship. Others might become estranged after kind of a problem with an in-law or the arrival of children in the family, those kind of big transitions for families like marriages and births of children, they can sometimes be really difficult for family mm. relationships. Um, and then also divorce can also be a factor that can kind of erode relationships over time as well. So um, there's no one easy answer. There's just lots of different ones, I think. As well as Dr. Lucy Blake, we have been looking at some of the, the negative just negatives that can come from an, uh, a family estrangement. But what like what would be the positives? I mean, like if your family, um, you know, if they are really, really getting you down, can your mental health improve then if you decide to cut ties with them? Yeah, I think this is something we haven't explored that much as researchers, but we do know that people tell us that often when they become estranged, it can be very difficult and challenging, but essentially they feel much more free and much more able to be themselves and to be independent. And some people just live like with a feeling of safety in their everyday life. Um, and other other feelings might be that of personal growth, being able to kind of reflect on the past and move forward in some way. Um, so it really depends on the estrangement and whose decision it is. But I think for some people, there can definitely be positive outcomes. Yeah. So it's not like, I mean, if somebody was to come to you and say, I, um, you know, I, I, I'm done with my family. I don't want anything more to do with them. It's not just a matter of pointing out the, the possible negatives that could come with that. Um, you also have to look at the, the positives as well that there may be for that person. And, you know, I, I think with somebody like that as well, even though their separation from their family may cause distress for other people I suppose if they're in a situation where they feel that their mental health is suffering they have to kind of mind themselves and if that means separating themselves from the family well then that's something I suppose that they have to do that's right. Yes, I completely agree. I think it's just really, really complicated. And often when people share with other people about their estrangement, the reaction is, um, well, you know, family's so important and these are 
such important relationships that we shouldn't move away from. But it's really complicated and we very rarely know all the ins and outs of why someone has made that decision. And there might be really substantial gains that they're making from that decision as well. If they do make the decision to go their separate ways and they're happy with that, but then further down the line in a couple of years, is it possible to amend the relationship and or to mend the relationship, I mean, and, you know, and, and get back together again? Yeah, I think it's I think that's possible. I think we know much less about kind of how that happens and, and what are the factors that make that more likely. But I think one thing about estrangement that we do know from the research is that people often cycle in and out of it. So it isn't always kind of stable and forever, but it is quite common to have perhaps a couple of years where you cite where you're estranged and then sometime when you're in contact again and then that cycle might begin again um so again it's just really complicated and mm. it varies a lot and what about like you know the way we we're talking there about rebuilding a relationship further down the line but what if you're in a situation where you separated yourself from your parents um but your brothers and sisters have sided with the parents is it possible then to rebuild a relationship with them like, is there, you know, if the, are you able to overcome that, the, the difficulties that that might pose? I think it's a great question. I really don't know the answer. I wish that I did. But we do know that when parents and children become estranged, that that can take a really big hit on the relationship between brothers and sisters and often lead to estrangement between siblings as well. But I don't, that's a, a great question to ask about the other way around if there's a reunion, whether that would affect siblings. I suspect mm. it might, but... um but yeah, it's such a new field of research. So some of these answers I'm just not sure about, I'm afraid. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Lucy Blake, before I let you go, is there a checklist to help people make the decision? There isn't that I'm aware of. I think there's a growing community of people writing books that other people find helpful. Um, I know that um, there's Carl Melvin in Dublin who's got a therapeutic practice who writes a lot on estrangement and Dr. Joshua Coleman in America um, I've written about it as well. So hopefully there's more and more resources available, but I can't actually think of a checklist as such. Okay, brilliant. That is Dr. Lucy Blake, Senior Lecturer, Psychology University, West of England. And I hope that um, what Dr. Lucy was saying there can help that listener who contacted us who are considering becoming estranged from their family. Um, and they were wondering if they could make a clean break and avoid some of the messy reality. And I hope that um, that helps with that. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Brenda Moran from the Danube Clinic was speaking to PJ about the condition PMDD, which is extremely painful periods and um, it causes severe irritability, depression, anxiety in the weeks before your period. And some people have extreme difficulty. And we were talking, um, she, she mentioned on the program that day that people can take the pill as a means of trying to treat it and to ease some of the symptoms. But I was talking to her afterwards and um, she wanted to come back on the show just to talk about people who maybe can't take the pill for whatever reason. Dr. Brenda Moran, good morning. Good morning. And How are thanks, you? Thanks for coming back on the show, Dr. Brenda Moran. Um, Brenda, the taking the pill obviously is a great way for people to deal with PMDD, but it's not always possible in a lot of cases. That's correct. Um, so for some people, it can be contraindicated if they have risk factors for clotting or if they have a previous history of clotting themselves, then the combined oral contraceptive pill or what we call the pill uh, would be contraindicated for them in that scenario. Mm. Um, 
So, and for other people then, they mightn't tolerate the pill very well. Um, it is the, the the combined oral contraceptive pill is a form of of um, it's a synthetic form of estrogen progesterone, yeah. and it can be very very effective for a lot of people. But other people can experience side effects from mm. the pill itself, um, which they they can get mood side effects. They can get physical symptoms such as bloating and um, uh, gastric symptoms as well. Yeah. Um, so sometimes um, if if they don't get on with the pill or the the pill might be contraindicated. The next line for some people can be um, what what we call HRT mm-hmm. uh, or body, body identical HRT, which is a form of labeling essentially. But it just means what it means is um, you're it's a for it's Eastern progesterone. Um, so it's the exact same molecular structure as the woman's own Eastern progesterone. Okay. And when you get that to be your skin in the form of a patch or a gel or a spray. It, uh, it enters the bloodstream directly, so it doesn't, uh, you're, you're not ingesting it, and it doesn't activate the coagulation cascade in the, in the liver, which can impact on clotting factors um, for, 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 for women. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it can be given um, in, in some scenarios to people that might have risk factors for clotting or previous history of clotting. Okay, brilliant. And is this um, the same HRT that's given to women who are going through the menopause then? It is, it is, and it um, it's it's recommended as a treatment option in the NAPS guideline UK. That would be the National Association of Premenstrual Disorders, which is a UK-based uh, organisation. Mm. Um, so, be probably considered a novel approach to PMS and PMDD in in that context. Mm. Um, but it, I guess it. Um, it can be very effective for some women because it again we, we think that the 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 cause of PMS or PMDD or why people experience symptoms is due to the hormonal fluctuations that occur in the second half of a menstrual cycle. Yeah. So by giving back kind of a little steady state of of, of hormone in the in predominantly estrogen, it can reduce those fluctuations that occur at, at, in the second half of the cycle, and thus can help with symptoms. And Brenda, does it matter what age you are? Because obviously a lot of people associate HRT with the menopause. So would it be more difficult then for, like, is it possible for somebody of a younger age to take it? It can be possible for someone of a younger age to take it, absolutely. And I think a lot of the connotations, the negative connotations with HRT, obviously, you know, are due to the media reporting following the the, the, the trials in the, in the 2000s, the WHI study mm. and the links between you know, breast cancer and clotting and cardiovascular disease. But essentially what what, hatred, what, what hormone replacement therapy is, is smaller amounts of Eastern progesterone compared to the, the pill is still a form of hormone replacement therapy. It is an Eastern progesterone, yeah. but, but in higher amounts. So younger people can still take HRT, um, but I suppose the difference between HRT and the, and, and the combined oral contraceptive pill is that it's not a contraceptive. So that is an important consideration for women of, of younger age that mightn't want a pregnancy. Okay. And can they take it long term or they, do they need to take breaks when they're taking it? No, it can be it can be taken on ongoing as long as obviously you're you know you you've, you've you're having a review with your doctor and side effects are being checked um, and it, as long as you don't have any complications from it. Mm. Um, sometimes the marina coil actually can work well with with the with the patch 
or the, the you know the eastern part of HRT as well, mm. especially if contraceptive is required because again you're you're giving kind of like a, a continuous form of a low level amount of progesterone directly to the womb, so that can work well for people that might get side effects from the progesterone component in in the pill in particular. Mm. Okay, so it, it's trial and error unfortunately, and it you know every people you can get very individual responses to. To, to treatment um, but it can be an effective tool for some people yeah so yeah so if anybody is suffering from PMDD as we said you know extremely painful periods to the point where it really affects your day-to-day life um, that, and the pill you know it does help in a lot of cases but as you said at the yeah. start there a lot of people can't take it for various different reasons yeah. so this is no, something no, that P- you could consider yeah, the PMDD is wouldn't necessarily mean very very painful periods. You're probably thinking of endometriosis there, so it's slightly different to PMDD. So PMDD would be mainly the you know very severe psychological mood symptoms and physical symptoms that can occur prior to prior to periods. But obviously, some people can get can get heavy periods as well. Mm. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks for clearing that up with us because I know that when you were speaking to PJ you were talking about the pill and you wanted to come back on and talk about um, the use of HRT for people who um, you know can't take the pill so thank you very much for that that was Brenda, Dr Brenda Moran of the Danube Clinic thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning Brenda Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Now, I was speaking earlier to Chloe McCarthy, who is Miss Cork East, and she was talking about ME. She was diagnosed with the condition four years ago, and she was talking about how it has affected her life, and she wanted to use her position as Miss East, East Cork to highlight and raise awareness of ME. And Yvonne has been in touch to say thank you so much for having Chloe on this morning morning and to talk about ME. My son is housebound for four years with ME and it's great to hear Chloe is doing well and best wishes to her in Miss Ireland. Thank you very much for that Yvonne and I hope your son is okay and for anybody else who would like to join in on the conversation about ME and maybe tell us how it is affecting them, you can get in touch by calling 0818 96 96 96 or text or WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96 Now if you're heading out on a in Cork, where do you go? Do you go to the same places time and time again? Or are you looking for somewhere new to go? Well, Susan Mulcahy of Saucy Pups has come up with a, an ingenious invention. Good morning, Susan. Hi, Fiona. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. Susan, you've come up with this um, let's plan a date night in Cork box. And uh, what's inside this box? <laughs> Yes, I have. I have. Um, first, I suppose I'll just introduce myself. Um, I'm a graphic designer and illustrator living in Cork and a very proud Cork woman. So this uh, project was right up my street. Mm. And just to describe it to anyone who's listening at home, it's a little box that you can fit in your hand. And inside that, there's 20 individual cards. And each of those cards has a unique date idea. And all the date ideas ideas are based around Cork and um, there's so much to do in Cork sometimes mm. it can be kind of hard to think of it so it was hard to narrow it down to 20 ideas but I did get loads of good ideas from all my followers on Instagram as well and the pack is full of really fun things to do. I think when we think of going on a date whether it be a first date or you know um, a date with our long-term partner I think we always think of either going to the pub or going to the to a restaurant for a meal or maybe even to the cinema Um, but you have lots of other things besides all of that. 
oh yeah, I have so many different ideas. And sometimes it's the simplest things just done with intention that bring like more memories to you. Like one of the ideas is just to get a takeaway pizza and just watch the sunset from the top of Patrick's Hill mm. in Bellsfield. So, you know, something that's very simple, doesn't cost a lot, but it's much more, um, creates much more memories for you and funny stories for the future. So the reason I created the cards really was because we do the same thing over and over again. And I know even myself, it's so much easier to be comfy at home and just sitting in watching the TV, especially with Love Island at the moment. <laughs> but um, I'll be so sad if that's gone. But yeah, it's hard to get that push to just go out the door and to know where to go. So these ideas, it's just you pull one out of the pack and then it's decided for you. You know the direction you're going mm. and just kind of gives you that push out the door to just go and experience nice things that are already in Cork just on our doorstep that we don't maybe think about at the front of our brain. Yeah, because you have something really simple like a riverside stroll followed by a coffee, which is obviously a lovely thing to do when we have so many different rivers right across the city and county that we could do that. Um, but like, you know, um, maybe without being told to do it, we, we just wouldn't think about it. I know, sure I'm a devil for it myself as well. It's so good to just get someone to tell you where to go and then there's no fighting back and forth and you can just go and enjoy it. And as well, like I know they're called date night packs, but it's not just for you and your partner. Like it's you and adventure with your friends or especially I think like you on your own, like on a bit of a solo trip, having a nice independent day out and just exploring Cork by yourself. Yeah. Like there's a lot to be said for that too. So yeah. Like there's one of the cards there that's uh, an evening stroll down Kinsale and then you sit down on the wall outside Dino's, you get a big salty bag of chips and you watch the swans going by and you look into the murky water and you spot some crabs and it's all those like little things that I think for me anyway give you more happy memories um, than just going to the same restaurant all the time, going to the same cinema all the time, which is what a lot of us kind of fall into the habit of doing, I think. Even if you're not going on a date, it just sounds like it really highlights what Cork has to <laughs> offer, doesn't it? Like, I mean, how more Cork can you get than sitting on the wall outside Dino's eating a salty bag of chips? <laughs> Stop, I know. Look, I love Cork. I'll be the first one to shout about it to anyone, especially when I go away on holidays. I'm preaching Cork to everyone. Like another one of them, I don't spoil the whole pack now, but one of them, my favourite one definitely is ringing the Shandon bells and then heading to the Franciscan well and getting some pizza and drinks there afterwards. And I don't know if anyone has actually rang the bells yet themselves, but I know it was kind of stopped during COVID, but it's mm. such a laugh. It's unreal. There's just so many things that you can do around Cork that yeah. you mightn't think of unless someone told you to do it, you know. And you have you have these um, cards now. It's a pack of 20. What kind of reaction have you been getting from people? Oh my God, so good. They've sold out twice. So I've had a pop-up shop before Christmas down in Douglas Village uh, Shopping Centre and yeah. the reaction there was unreal. I keep getting messages as well from my followers um, of the dates that they went on. One of my followers makes vlogs on the different dates that she goes on. So I get to see all the videos <laughs> of her going around doing the different things. Yeah, It's so cool. So will you have like, let's plan a date night in a cork box round two? Are you going to have like a series of these... I think I'll have to. I think I'll have to because I'm running out of them nearly myself and I've nearly done them all. Yeah. So I think there's just so much to do. I might have to do a second revision maybe for my pop-up shop this Christmas. Definitely. Well, maybe some of our opinion line listeners might be able to help you out if you want to have like a, a second series and um, they could maybe let us know on the show here what's their favourite thing to do on a date in Cork. Do you know where would your favourite place be to go? Um, is there a particular river that you like to walk by or is there something completely different? 
different to what we've been saying on the show with Susan this morning. Um, and you can let us know at 0818 96 96 96 or the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Susan, thanks for joining me on the show this morning. And, you know, it sounds like it, it is a great idea. And um, if people do want to get the, the cards, do they just get in touch with you on Instagram? No, I have actually a website full of products and I wish I had time to tell you about them all. But especially today, I've made a discount code for 96FM listeners just as a thank you for having me on. So <laughs> if you good. go on to saucypups.com, so saucypups.com, my website has everything there. And the date night cards are all up online as well as a load of different illustrations of different Cork towns and loads of really colourful, fun, happy things. So just enter 96FM at checkout and it'll give you 10% off everything oh. on my website not just the date night cards there you go now <laughs> thank you for that Susan thanks a million and if anybody would like to share their their perfect night or their perfect date night um, or their perfect date activity it doesn't necessarily have to be at night it could be something that you want to do during the day you can let us near, know here on the show we'd love to hear from you 0818 96 96 96 and the text number is 0833 96 96 96 the lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Can I just give a shout out as well to Adrian Destack? He is bringing his one-man show about music, magic, friendship and football. The Man from Moogaga and it's happening in Cork at the minute. There's five performances between now and Saturday, 30th of July and that's happening at the Cork Arts Theatre and tickets for that are available at corkartstheatre.com. Come so best of luck to Adrian Destack or Adrian Destack with that, and another show that is coming to our um, to Lee side in um, August coming to the Everyman is the Letters from a Country Postman, and starring in that is none other than actor Tyg Hickey. Good morning, Tyg. Hi, girl. How are things? I'm Hi, very well. <laughs> You're most welcome on the show. Tyg, um, this is a bit of a, a different uh, direction for you, isn't it? Because it's not a comedy role. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a dose for me, really, because it is quite <laughs> funny, but I, I don't have any of the jokes. like So um, I'm playing kind of a straight enough role where it's a, it's a kind of a rural country postman and uh, his name is Maki Fondue and uh, he's actually kind of more of a sad or kind of introspective guy. Like he's kind of quite witty, but he's certainly not a comedy character. So but, how um, did you get cast life. in that then? Because I mean, everybody would know you as a comedian. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Um, I know, like I, I get on quite well with Sophie Motley. Um, we'd be friends and she's the artistic director of uh, The Everyman. And the last solo show I did, uh, in one eye or the other I suppose like it's a comedy but it's got a lot of drama in it as well so obviously she thought I could handle uh, something a little bit more dramatic and it's great to be honest because it's it's a good challenge to sit into something and carry the story while people around you are being kind of funny I think that's a good a good discipline anyway although it is it is kind of a bit frustrating when we finish rehearsal and everyone else seems to be getting laughs out of the me like but you look I get over myself <laughs> <laughs> and con- Letters of a Country Postman it was written by John B. Keane and as you said it was directed by yeah. Sophie Motley so um, it's very uh, much based on life in, in rural Ireland it is but it's it speaks to I think what's interesting about it is that like I think it's written in the mid 70s and uh, 
it's so relevant now, though. Like that, he really captured. You know, like John B's writing is so nuanced and 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 subtle. And there's an awful lot about loneliness. There's a lot about isolation. But it, but interestingly as well, there's stuff about like climate change and stuff. You know, like he's mm. so far ahead of his time. Like the uh, the fishermen are talking about the the river getting dirtier and snaggier every season, and they they don't know if the salmon is going to come up the river at all this year and this is 1975 like wow so yeah there's all these really interesting kind of parallels and stuff and it it, it doesn't seem dated and I think what Sophie's done wonderfully is that there's the the John B. Keane fan will get the John B. Keane thing that they expect I think but then there's a kind of a modern enough twist on it as well so I feel it's the best of both worlds and I think people will really will really enjoy it it's 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 really got the whole lot in there I reckon as you said it's um it's a postman it's based on the life of a postman yeah, it's a it's a postman, and it's about his connection to the people in the village where the postman might be the only person they see in that day. So it's kind of about trying to connect, and and then there's this postmistress character called Katie Kersey, and she um she steams open the letters so that she can sit down and kind of have a have a read of all the goss going on in the village, but she never tells anybody about it. Um, so it's got all that kind of intrigue of kind of uh, rural Ireland as well. But it also has like people are kind of in love with each other and it's only kind of spoken through letters that they don't actually ever kind of convey it in person. Mm. So it has kind of longing and it has loneliness and it's really quite brilliant. You know, the thing about John B's um, writing as well, I have found this time now going through it is that like it sometimes it can be played like it's quite kind of quite large or it's like the characters are big and stuff mm. but actually as I say it's really very soft it's really very subtle and it's kind of there's an awful lot of depth to it and stuff so it's a pleasure really to do it I'm just having having the time of my life on it really to be honest Brilliant and like even with the postman um, I mean like it's such a vital service in so many different communities around Ireland and like even thinking back during the pandemic as you were saying that the postman might have been the only person that these people met in the community but sure it was like that during the pandemic as well so again like you know you're exactly. you're saying that it was written back in the 70s but um, or based back in the 70s but there's a lot of like things that are you know relatable to, to common or to modern life Absolutely. And you know what's gorgeous about it as well on that level that I think people got back into sending the odd letter mm. in lockdown as well. Whereas like it was kind of obviously going out of vogue with like modern technology, et cetera, et cetera. Like, but, but this, this play as well is a kind of a celebration of the letter and the way in which you would communicate with somebody in a letter, I think is completely unique. You just wouldn't email people in the same way and you just kind of convey your thoughts and Mm. I think this, like a little bit of the secrets of life as well, like to go into the letter. And I think it's, it's we're kind of encouraging people as well to kind of think about letter writing again, like um, and from all generations yeah. and to opt for that mode of contact again, because it, it just kind of penetrates something emotionally. I think that like other forms of communication don't. So yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful actually. I think, yeah, it's lovely. And like you mentioned at the very start, um, you know, when I said to you that you're more associated with comedy and that you have like the serious role in this one now. Um, and, yeah. and you were saying that, you know, you had your, your previous performance at the Everyman. Do you like being up on the stage like that? Do you like being in front of a live audience? Because I know you kind of came to um, public knowledge with, through your videos on social media, but like mm. being up on the stage is a different experience. It is. Do you know what I found during lockdown? I was actually really, and no disrespect to people who obviously went through horrific times, but I, I actually got on okay in the first lockdown particularly because I was just making stuff at home. Mm. And uh, I enjoy being my own boss and kind of like just doing my own thing. After a while then, even though like you're doing well, you get to the point where, you know, you you realize that you're doing, you're not going to do much more good on your own really that you need other people. Like, mm. And I think it takes being away from it to, 
experience that. So even like, not so much, I don't so much crave kind of audience, you know, the way I think like some comedians and stuff that I speak to, they really crave like um, laughter, like, you know, yeah. to kind of make them feel like all right or something, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I more kind of enjoy collaborating with other people because what happens with me is when I'm left to my own devices after a while, I just kind of, I think the stuff that you're making after a while, if nobody's giving you any feedback in it, it just can be a little bit like, you know, yeah. start getting not as, not as strong. So I love working with others. So at the moment now there's it's like superb actors and musicians and directors and designers in the room with me all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I enjoy actually just kind of collaborating with other people, getting new ideas from other people and mm. just meeting other no, nobody does very well on their own like I mean, I mean the play is like kind of about loneliness really in, in some ways now it's very funny as well I don't want people to think it's going to be a depressing <laughs> two and a half hours yeah, yeah. But, um, but it does talk about loneliness and I think the lockdown for me was a bit like that where at the start it's great I'm getting on fine on my own I'm loving it and after a while then I'm thinking like oh my god I really need to see other people urgently like you know so mm. So it's a bit of both, I think, yeah. And it is, as we said, it's at the Everyman and it's um, next month, is that right? Yeah, it starts, the preview starts on the 5th of August and it runs right up until I think the 27th. So it's every night other than uh, a Sunday and a Monday. And I, I'd highly recommend it to people because, uh, again, it speaks to what's going on at the moment, but it's also, it's really heartwarming. Like, it's a really heartwarming production I think that people from all ages would really enjoy so yeah I'd highly recommend it Ty, earlier on in the show I was speaking to Matt McGranahan and we were talking about the entertainment and music industry and you know we were saying that it is great that we have so many different gigs and theatres and festivals and everything like that coming back and to go to but he yeah. said that you know the prices of things now not just the tickets for the events but the hotel prices in particular that people need to pay for now is having a, a bit of a damaging effect as well on the industry and I know you yourself were saying that sometimes, um, mm. you know, that you've had a situation where you just haven't been able to afford a hotel even for going to work. Literally, yeah. Like, so I found, particularly with Dublin at the moment, that, um, like, you might get offered a gig that would be, you could be say like, the gig might be 500 quid. And as, like, a, a freelance artist, mm. it could cost you. Like, I looked up there recently, the average, ho- the average uh, hotel room, and it was a single room, like, in Dublin, I think it was about 300 quid. So then, like, say, if you drive up and the room is 300 quid, like, it really isn't worth your while. And actually, when I tweeted it, a lot of people tweeted saying, like, oh, look, just get over yourself and just drive up and come back down. Yeah. I think that's interesting in itself because, like, I don't know, would you say that to, say, like, an engineer or, or somebody, like, what's seen as a kind of a proper job mm. in Ireland, you know? Like, I don't think we look at the arts like it's a proper job. It's just a lad with a, with a hobby that's after getting out of hand, really. But it is a proper job and it, yeah. it serves a function and stuff. And, like... I think like particularly in Dublin because of the lack of investment in kind of social and affordable housing over the last decade or more, there isn't really any spaces for artists, let alone to stay in hotels. Like there's no, there's no studios. There's no, you know, there's not affordable places for them to Mm. stay. So they're, they're leaving Dublin. Like, I mean, even if you look at music kind of, I know I can think of David Kitt and Kojak as two examples where, they just left the city. And I think while some people will say, look, the arts isn't the top priority you now. And of course it isn't. But if all the artists leave a city, like what is it? Because I don't think anybody's visiting Ireland to, to go and see data centers. Like they're going to yeah. see the kind of, you know, indigenous art or whatever, you know. So, and yeah, and the hotel prices, I'm at the point now where if I can't do some of the voiceover stuff at, 
at home that to go to Dublin like it just it doesn't probably probably would make much economic sense you know and I think that's that's not sustainable like and Ty you know obviously you've got letters from a country postman coming up now um, any other uh, production work in line are you still doing the videos uh, what's what's going to be happening for the rest of the year yeah, I'm hoping to do more. Um, I'm hoping to do more TV and film. Anyway, so I've written. Um, I've written a sitcom with a writer friend of mine. So we're trying to get that off the ground at the moment. Talking cool. to a couple of production companies. Yeah. And next year, I'm doing a follow-up show to my solo show. It's called Gatman, and it's uh, Gat, obviously being uh, Cork slang for yeah. drink. It's about a guy who becomes a superhero when he has a few cans or a bottle of Buckfast. <laughs> and um, it's going to be on in the Everyman, hopefully for the Midsummer's Festival next year and tour touring beyond that and uh, so yeah yeah. there's a few other things in the pipeline as well but I suppose I, I, I better not go into them in case they don't happen you know that's kind of my industry like you know I'll say I'm doing this and then it gets cancelled like <laughs> then I'm going to look like a fool again like you know but, uh, but yeah and also also I'm kind of just looking after myself going for a few walks doing a bit of meditation and uh, not chasing the, the goal too much either because I kind of got got a bit stuck doing that recently so that's like that's, that would be my little advice to people yeah. who just chill out and enjoy your day absolutely because it can become all encompassing all encompassing and it's just you absolutely. know you definitely need to t- take the time out I was just laughing there when you were saying about gats like I'm not from Cork so when I came to Cork first of all I had no right. idea what people were talking about when they were talking about gatting <laughs> <laughs> yeah every time I say the name to somebody they say you know there's going to be you're going to have to clarify that but <laughs> Gatman as a concept is very strong, so we're going to try and make it work. Like, so do you yeah, think that that would work Gatton, outside like, of Cork? Then, like, do you know, would people know what you're talking about? <laughs> maybe on the poster there might just be an explanation or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, you got to go with what you know. You know, like I call the Gatton like from kind of sixteen to thirty-two. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's all I know. Like, <laughs> brilliant, Tyg. Listen, best of luck with the show and with everything else that you have going on. That is Tyg Hickey, and he is in Letters from a Country Postman. August 10th in the Everyman. Now we were speaking earlier about different things that you can do if you're going on a date in Cork and um, we were talking about, you know, uh, different ideas with Susan Mulcahy of Saucy Pups. She's made up the cards. But if you're not going on a date and you are, you know, looking for things to do before the end of the summer, but things that maybe you haven't done before and that are a little bit different, Yay Cork's Christina Collins has drawn up a list of five things that you can do in Cork before the end of the summer and she joins me now to talk about it. Good morning Christina. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Christina, we were talking earlier about the loads of different things that you can do in Cork. Um, you know, there's loads of lovely restaurants and pubs uh, in Cork but as well as that there's loads of lovely walkways and like uh, Susan was telling us all the different things that she has on her cards but for you now, you've drawn up a very specific list of five things that we can do before the end of the summer. It's like a kind of a bucket list, is it? It's a bit of a bucket list, yeah. It's 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 uh, the idea was that you'd get a bit of a buzz after, you know, like just give you a bit of a lift, and it's a little bit outside your comfort zone. Yeah. So that was the motivation for the for the list, yeah. So the first one on the list is to get a small tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So why did you include that on it? Because like obviously, um, it's something that's very personal to people, and they may not want to get it. But you you reckon that you get a buzz after getting a tattoo? Well, I think a lot of people actually they want to get a tattoo, but they're really afraid of like, oh, what'll I get? Mm. Where, like, oh, like what'll you know? They they're on the precipice of getting it, but they just kind of hold off, going, oh, I'll get it next week or next month or next year, and they just put it off, put it off, put it off. So it's just one of these things that. 
um, I think a lot of people are just on the edge of getting, but they don't really commit to it. So um, a small one, you can just get it anywhere in your body and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be visible at all. And mm. um, you can you can get like your favorite animal or it doesn't have to be this big, massive, you know, um, sentimental meaning to it. It can yeah. just be something that you like, you know, so um, getting or it doesn't have to be like a declaration for, for, yeah, for somebody exactly. or whatever, like, you know, and then yeah. you regret it like further down the line. And as you say, if it's no, small, yeah. I suppose you have to be careful about where you put it so that you can hide it if you want to. If you want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, recommend going into Electric Soul to Jimmy. Um, he's actually someone who did a few of my own tattoos. Mm. So uh, they're, yeah, they're great. And um, uh, they do really nice, detailed, small ones. And um, yeah, they're just uh, getting a little tattoo piece of art on yourself is um it's 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 nice and it's something that you can always um look at later on yeah. you know when it's even after even after you've finished it up you know it'll give you a nice little reminder of the day and were and you it's a bit be- of a leap of faith i suppose yeah it definitely is when before you got your tattoos christina were you a little bit apprehensive before you went in to get it done the first one in particular I was, yeah, I was, but I got a bit of encouragement and I just got uh, like a, a piece of text on my shoulder. Mm. So it was just something that I always wanted. And when I decided on the spot, I knew I wanted, I knew what I wanted straight away. So I was, I just had, you know, but the, any um, tattoo artist will be very comforting and they'll, they'll re, you know, they'll redraw it if you don't like it. They'll replace it if you don't like it. And they'll put, you know, they'll do as many, uh, drafts as you need until you're happy. You know they're mm. not rushing you uh, to to commit to something that you don't want at all. So um, yeah, that's what I would recommend if anyone's looking for a tattoo artist to make sure you're comfortable and you're happy saying no or no, yeah. I don't like that or change that there or whatever. So yeah, because um, I got a tattoo yeah. years ago. I got it when I was over in Turkey and uh, like that. I had gone in and I had asked for something very small, but uh, between the jigs and the real re- reels, it wasn't very small in the end. Now it is on my back, but um, you know it like that it doesn't really mean anything it's just some you know a, a moment of madness but um yeah. I do like them I think that when they're done tastefully um they're they're lovely do you know and uh, yeah. it is great and then number 2 on it you have zip lining in Farren Woods and if anybody has been out in Farren Woods it's a great place to go for a walk but you may see the zip lining and it looks like so much fun for people yeah I was actually there out there a few years ago myself as well and um absolutely loved it it's so it really it's a bit of a workout as well because if you're doing the entire course it is seriously you know it's it's a good it's hard in the body because you're climbing all the trees and stuff but mm. it is if you if you get to the very end especially because there's a quite an advanced one and it is absolutely petrifying uh, and I'm not really good with heights but I said I'd do it anyway and um I did it, but I was absolutely terrified the entire time. But once I once it was finished, I was like, oh, that was great. And, you know, you're just like flying through the trees. Like, what more could you want? I'm not someone who would go doing a skydive. Mm. I don't think I'd like that at all. But, you know, zip lining is kind of gives you that feeling like you're flying. And um, once you get the hang of the first few, you can't wait for like the longer, higher ones then, you know. So, um yeah, that's, that's a particularly good one if you want to just kind of like a day out, especially something that's kind of longer than, 
you know um yeah it's it's it's, it's a it's a good couple of hours like when it is it is um i did it myself and there is such a sense of achievement after you've done it and it mm-hmm. is something like i know with different uh, they have different age groups for different mm-hmm. uh, for for kids if you have kids as well so there's smaller routes yeah. that you can do and then obviously um you know there's the longer one that you were talking about there towards the end um but yeah. it is something that can be enjoyed by the whole family yeah for sure the one at the end i was talking about now that is a hundred that is like elective like you really have to you have to make a de- like a definite decision <laughs> am i going to go up there because that looks hard but, yeah um, it goes yeah, right the across the car park doesn't it in, in Farnwood? yeah the, yeah it's a big long one it's it's very very enjoyable so um i went out there with a friend we had a great day um, it's very reasonable price. I can't remember what what price it is right now, but um, it's really it's a great activity for the full day. Also, being out in a bit of nature, getting out of the city as well, is is always a good shout. You know. And talk to me about um, bubble tea because, like, we all like to go and meet our friends for a tea or a coffee. But um, bubble tea is um, it's fairly new to Cork, is it? It's fairly new to Cork, but there's after like a lot of things in Cork, um, it takes on a life of its own, becomes like a big trend. You know, we kind of tend to do it in bulk um, when it does arrive on our shores. So (laughs) there's after, I don't know how many bubble tea shops there are in Cork now, but there's a good few and uh, yeah, people are loving them and they come in all different flavors. And I suppose the big thing is like the tapioca balls at the end, which are a bit you know, they're chewy and they're, um, yeah, people just really enjoy it because it's, it's something new and it's, it's, um, it's a just different take on, to- on coffee, I suppose. We love our coffee, you know. So it's just, it's coffee is- tea with like different flavours, but it's not like herbal teas. Um, you can get different stuff. So like, for instance, like you can get a supreme coconut and pandam, you know, like or coconut. Yeah. Mm. And it would have like avocado and coconut and pandaminate. So it's like um, all different flavors and just, yeah, it's, you can get caffeine in them as well. Okay. So there's, yeah, there's different, depending on your taste, depending how adventurous you want to go with <laughs> yeah. the, the flavors, you know. And the tapioca um, ball that you mentioned, is that, does that come in the side, is it? Or is that in the, in the tea? It's in the drink. Okay. It's in the drink. So like, um, I know a friend of mine, her son was obsessed with them because he just loved that like, they come up through the straw and it's kind of a strange, it's a, a strange sensation. You're like, you know, it's not something you'd be expecting at the end of your drink. So if every, if you've not tried them, they're just like quite a novelty thing to do, you know, like it's yeah. something different because I don't know, I, I suppose like a lot of people, I would go back to the shop and I would order the same thing again and again and again. And yeah. I'm always one of those people who is like, oh yeah, I'll get something different, but I never do. <laughs> so, you know. So I'm what's your like, no. favorite bubble tea then? Um, I like anything that's like dark red. So like a cherry I like mm. a cherry flavour. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. And I'm told that there are shops on Paul Street, French Church Street, Oliver Plunkett Street and on the Grand, Pal- Grand Parade there's a place doing it too. So if anybody on wants North to try... Main Street as well, yeah. And North Main Street as well. Okay, oh God, mm-hmm. they are popping up all over the city. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. anybody that's out and about this weekend, pop in one of, to one of those places and get treat yourself to a bubble tea. Now, um, as well as that, you were talking about taking a swing dance class at the cricket club. What's a swing dance class? Is that just just for like can anybody join or what way does that work um i think those classes are uh, they've wound up now oh have um, they okay they 
they they're with um cork swing down so they they run classes um every so often so they'd be popping up again but swing dances like you know the charleston um that 1920s like prohibition dancing mm. where it's very you know it's very lively um and there's i know the crew from i know a few of the heads from from the from the swing dance community um and they you'd see them pop up in bars all over town sometimes depending where you know if they follow the music so it's really nice to see them dancing you'd be like god where did they learn that and it's at these kind of classes and i think there's also there's something coming up with swing by the lee is coming up soon i think so if you wanted to check out some swing dancing but yeah it's another great one because i don't know i i haven't taken this a dance class in a really long time and it's yeah. one of these things again that you're just kind of put on the long finger like that looks great but um and it gives you a bit of a buzz as well if you're not involved sometimes you can be afraid of like getting involved you know yeah things, so. and i suppose with yeah. things like dancing with the stars um you know and strictly come dancing we all kind of would like to maybe you know learn some of the steps so uh <laughs> you know it'd yeah be... they're great they have like beginner classes and um keep an eye on their social media because they'll be doing running more um uh classes um okay. throughout the year but, and, yeah, yeah. and finally, Christina, like if you if you don't see yourself as a dancer, but you see yourself as a singer, you'll be able to go along to the Spalpeen Fawnock for a sing song. <laughs> yeah, this in particular is the is like traditional Irish singing. So um, it is again, I suppose I'm I'm I was aiming for these people who kind of fall into the same bracket of, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't, but I don't put myself out there, you know. So um, this uh, this is you know the Spalfin Phonic they run great trad sessions and they have this every Sunday so it's the it's a sing song it's by the Cork Singers Club and um, yeah they just gather and they sing a cappella you know you'd, you'd find anything from rebel songs to you know Christy Moore to uh, you name it any Irish tune um, and they'd be singing inside there uh, yeah every Sunday evening and it's 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 just one of the like if you don't want to go and sing you can always just go and watch you know and and enjoy it's 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 a bit different to the trad sessions which tend to be just music you know these are this is song and and yeah. storytelling you know so brilliant Christina thank you so much for going through your list of five things that would give you a bit of a buzz in Cork and if you managed to get them all you'd be a tattooed singer swing swing dancing between verses swinging on bubble tea zipping through the trees <laughs> yeah that's it that's the that's the aim that's the aim <laughs> thank you very much thank you so much for joining me on the opinion line this morning that is Christina Collins of EA Cork now for another um, event that is happening in the city this Saturday. It's uh, up in the Firkin Crane. Make Some Noise is back. It's a concert that is in aid of Shine a Light Suicide Awareness. And joining me now to talk about it is organiser of Make Some Noise and musician Miles Gaffney. Good morning, Miles. Good morning, Fiona. How are you keeping? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good now, very good. Beat the post in the rain, so I'm happy out. <laughs> Brilliant. Miles, um, make some noise. Um, it's back again. Obviously, it had to take a bit of a break because of COVID, so it must be great to have it back. It's fantastic to have it back. You know, we kept it going during the um, pandemic. Um, we went live for two years running. One year, we went from the Moyo Cafe in um, Popsky. Mm. And last year, we went live actually from within um, Brooklyn Crane Theatre. But uh, it's just not the same, you know. You have to have the crowd there and the audience, and um, when when people come and sit and take a seat, then 
that's really when the awareness starts to spread, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's it, of course. And, you know, there's a lot of youth groups involved in this, Miles. Yeah, well, we, myself and Joe Dalton and the team at Shine Life, we, we spoke about maybe, you know, introducing, going forward, introducing more younger acts mm. um, and to make a more, a more younger generation more suicide aware as well. Not that, not that they're not, but you know, when we said we'd bring in more youthful acts to to attract more more youths and uh, a younger generation towards awareness, mm. um, and and it's an under eighteen event. So, like I said to a guy the other day, like that, that you bring your kids down. I said because outside of the suicide and mental health awareness, that some kid in the audience might be intrigued or attracted to to the, these performers and might want to perform themselves and get involved, you know, going forward. So, so like, make some noise. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, you were going to say you've got the cabin crew? Yeah, cabin crew, yeah, and the Mishnook and uh, Musical Neighbourhood, which are all still under the umbrella of the cabin crew in Nakamahini and, and Gary McCarthy's um, set up up there, like, you know. Yeah, he does so, ma- um, amazing work up there with the with the cabin crew. Oh, he doesn't. He does know himself. No, and there's Sean Downey and another couple mm. there. You know, for such a small facility that they have up there, the stuff they they, they come up with, all uh, of that little setup is is amazing. You know. And so, so Miles, um, we'll make some noise. Is it a concert with loads of different acts just playing different music? Um, and is there, you know, are there are there people talking? Like, is there a suicide awareness element to it, or what way does it work? Well, yes, there is. So, um, yeah, so we we try to give a variety show uh, every year. We we change things up, you know. Yeah. Going through the years, we had all different acts. John Spillane actually took part last year as well, but. David Tobin from August Walk. Um, they're not attending this year. No, as, as as I said, we try to uh, change the setup. But on the night, it's solely based around suicide awareness. So on the evening, what you'll have is trained counsellors on hand mm-hmm. and private rooms within the fucking crane. So um, if somebody even attending the event feels like, you know, and this is the sole purpose of, of the event, if somebody feels that they need to make an approach to somebody with a shiny light T-shirt or a representative with a, a, a logo on them, that they're automatically brought in the strictest of confidence into this room, you know, and, yeah. that, and that's where that, that's where their treatment and their therapy will start at, at the concert itself. Now, just to clarify, one thing is that if people think that you know, if I go down to this concert and I go forward for help, does Miles Gaffney know? Or does, uh, you know, any of the other acts know that it was me and my name and who I am? Yeah. No, we, we will never know that. It's As I said, it's the strictness of confidence. We are the organisers and we just bring our ability and our music to shine a light to, to help them and, and, and save lives. But just to make that clear, because some people might think, you know, Others might know my business. That's not the way with this concert. Everything is in the strictest of confidence. Yeah, because, you know, somebody might think, oh, I'll be queuing up outside the door to go in and see a counsellor and other people will see me that I know going in. So I'm not just, you know, I'm not really in favour of that. But it's not going to work like that. No, no, no. You just discreetly make yourself known to um, a member of Shiny Light and over the course of the evening, You'll be approached. I, I was presume. Actually, I don't even know how he actually does it. It's not mm. secretive. Wow. Um, and they will just, I suppose, just pull you aside and just point you in the direction. You know, I actually don't know how they do it. Honestly, yeah. I've just been honest, and I and I don't, I don't know. The, you know, I don't even know where the rooms are. To be honest, but I know they're there. 
that just you know, goes to how, show though tight. how well trained they are doesn't it yeah and it's how tight it is and the, the confidentiality thing is a big thing here with people coming forward as we just said, um, um, you know, explaining their grievances and their troubles and, and, and just trying to clear their conscience and, and get mm. rid of the suicidal thoughts maybe and uh, get themselves more positive for the rest of their lives, you know. So it's a brilliant event, Miles, because it's like, you know, providing great entertainment for people of all ages, but there's also then the the, the side to it there where people can go and see a counsellor if they haven't already been able to go and talk to somebody. Yeah, it's, 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 I suppose in a way it's like a fast track really, isn't it, wouldn't it be? Mm. You know, like, it's, it, like reaching out to services and ringing and, 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 you know, going through that process. Well, here, you're, it's automatically happening on the night. You know, it, it, there's no waiting. There's no, like, I know people complain about, you know, the state of the services and the state of the health service mm. and all this. But on, on, at this event, like, it's very, very rapid. So, like, there's no beating around the bush. If if you're there and you need help on that night, it's it's there the minute you make the approach. Yeah. You know? and Miles, and if anybody wants to go to this event, we said it's in the Firkin Crane on Saturday. Do they need to buy tickets or can they just go and arrive on the night? Um, well, I would I'd strongly advise at this stage, you know, um, we're three quarters full. Um, and even this morning, there's a few lads I, I, I know sent me a few messages on WhatsApp asking the exact same question. I would strongly advise to go online now to the Fork and Crane box office. You just go into the Fork and Crane, you go in, click on the What's On, mm-hmm. and you just scroll down to the Make Some Noise concert. If you just click book your tickets, you go in, you press the green button, you, you, you book your seat. You can also walk into the Fork and Crane and physically purchase your ticket from the girls above at the, at the counter, above in the box office, in the Falcon Crane. Now, the last time there, there was, when we did it, um, it was sad to actually see people um, in toilets full, you know. Um, I knew guys that actually travelled up from carrying tool, and um, I had my phone turned off, and so when I had my phone turned back on, they were after saying, look, we were at the door and look, there's no hassle. They st- actually, they still paid, but they went away, you know, they still contributed, but there was no seats. And, you know, things are so tight now and so strict mm. with COVID and and fire escapes and stuff. You just can't have people standing around on the yeah. floor, you know, it's either a seat or nothing, like, you know. Brilliant. So, um, Okay, Miles, best luck with it. So, um, Firkin Crane this Saturday, that's Miles Gaffney. He's a musician and organiser of Make Some Noise. Thanks for joining me for um, highlighting that, Miles. Um, Just in regards to the ME discussion that I was having with Miss Cork East, Chloe McCarthy, uh, just to bring to people's attention that um, the Irish ME CFS Association supports people, and there is a Cork ME group on Facebook as well, so thank you for that um, Tracy has been in touch to once uh, she wants to know is that girl Christine from Ye Cork a nurse in the South Infirmary um, and Tracy we did ask Christine and she is not nor ever has been a nurse in the South Infirmary or anywhere else so um, maybe you're thinking of somebody else but uh, hopefully that cleared that up for you um, and just in relation to uh, farming Margot was in touch and she says I hope you could bring attention to the following with 
with all the uncertainty about farming and new regulations, I think our politicians should add a clause that any reduction in farming output should not result in importing same products from abroad. This, this does not help the environment, only moves the problem and certainly does not help our economy. Thank you for that, Margot. Um, anybody else who has anything that they'd like us to highlight on the opinion line, opinion line is 0818 96 96 96 or 083 396 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Corks 96 FM. Now we did get an email um, from Becca who says my niece starts nursing in UCC in September and the School of Nursing has announced that all first year students are expected to buy a very expensive iPad and an Apple Pencil for their placements and if they don't they'll fail their degree and she says that uh, you know in this day and age it's that's going to cost um, up to about 700 euro on 10 before they start and nursing students do not get paid until fourth year. It seems like an enormous amount of money on people who are already struggling and we did ask UCC for a statement on that and if we get that statement from them we will bring that to you uh, tomorrow Um, but thank you for bringing that to our attention Becca and for highlighting the issue. Now if you're going to beautiful West Cork this weekend you might want to pop down to Ahakista where there is a festival happening there. Ailish Ahodnett is chairperson of the Ahakista Festival. Good morning Ailish. Good morning, Fiona. Greetings from Akista. <laughs> beautiful part of the world. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, it really, really is beautiful. We're very lucky to live here. You are indeed. And on Friday, the festival kicks off and you have your legendary um, table quiz, which is hosted by no- Graham Norton. Always a massive event for you guys down there. And I'm assuming that the tickets for that are sold out. <laughs> yeah, the tickets um, for that, they sold out back in June. Um, with people queuing from 11 p.m. the <laughs> night before. So, uh, yeah, it's always great fun um, on that night as well. It's great. I mean, we have 92 tables um, of four, and um, which is great. And it's amazing, like, the, the amount of people and the interest um, that we have every year. And unfortunately, like, we've had a two-year break because of COVID. So mm. we're just so thrilled that it's back again this year. You'll have to start um, live streaming it. <laughs> oh, that would take all the fun out of it. Absolutely. And I suppose it's yeah, important. Yeah, so it's all, all hands. Sorry. Yeah, you were saying it's all hands. It's all hands on deck here now at the moment. Yeah, we're kind of setting up the marquee. And uh, like, it's great. There's great community spurs and everybody helping out. So it's going to be a fun night. It always is a fun night. So that kicks off the festival on Friday, but you have loads happening on Saturday and Sunday as well. Yeah, we do. We try to like to vary it to suit all age groups and people. So we're starting on Saturday with um, a guided walk on the Sheep's Head Way um, which, mm. at 11 o'clock. And that's always lovely because, you know, people, if they're new to the area and it's a guided walk, so they'll get a little bit of history about here and uh, you know, taking the scenery and everything. So that's it's always very, very well um, attended. Then we have a children's treasure hunt. And this year we've got a new event. Um, we have an exhibition of um, all old photographs of Akista. It's called Akista Fado. Mm-hmm. And over the last number of weeks, we have been um, sourcing photographs, memorabilia, and um, we're going to have the oldest person in Akista and the youngest person to officially open oh. um, that exhibition on Saturday. Yeah. So that's we're really, really looking forward to that. So then for 
anybody into ro- we've road bowling, we've live music on both Saturday and Sunday in Arundel's Bar and the Tin Pub. And then Sunday then is kind of water-based activities. Okay, so, so you've got um, like uh, kayaking and... We've kayaking and we've got a very good, um, an interesting one for people who've never actually kayaked before. There's um, at 12 noon, we've got a come and try paddle boarding and mm. sit on kayaks and double kayak. So it's it's an opportunity for people that maybe they'll, they'll be um, qualified instructors there. And so it just gives them a taste of what it's like. Um, and then we've kayak races then going on. And then like the highlight of, of the day then is a raft race. So people make their own rafts. There's always a bit of fun. They decorate it. They kind of go out in a fancy dress. Yeah. And it's always a very, very, very popular event. And there is a kids fun day on Sunday as well. We have, yeah. Then at the Tin Pub, we live at Bonsa Castle, kids disco, arts and crafts and um, various face painting, various other events going on as well throughout the afternoon. So there's just something to cover mm. um, for everybody, really. And Ailish, um, obviously there's loads of fun to be had across the whole weekend, but uh, you are supporting two very worthy charities as well this year. Yes, we are. Um, we are we're, we're supporting the Irish Community Air Ambulance and the Mercy Hospital Kids and Teens Appeal. And I mean, both charities um, are very important, especially like the, the air ambulance, the fact that we live in such a rural location. Mm-hmm. And like even so far this year, it's been here, it's it saved um, a local man's life there who was had heart attack mm-hmm. um, only for it. You know, he, he survived that. There's been another few accidents, walkers. So it, like it's vital for the community. And then the Mercy Hospital Kids and Teens, um, you know, we're doing it to support um, a young boy um, who's who avails of the outreach nursing services. So like the nurses actually come to the, the house and allow the kids the children who are suffering to be treated like in their own homes and then it gives them you know quality of life and allows for a bit of normality within then their family life as well mm. yes yeah, so i mean like you know they do uh, amazing work you know they like that the mercy hospital foundation is of course one of our uh, charity partners for the radiothon and we mm. heard so much about the service and, and what it does for people and you know the air ambulance as you said is particularly in an area like Ahakista, you're on the, the gorgeous peninsula and there, but not very accessible in an, an emergency situation. So the air ambulance is key for people there. Oh, it is. And I mean, like while we're in Ahakista, if you kind of go right out to the very end of the peninsula, um, where you'd have a lot of walkers going to the lighthouse, you know, even go out that far. It's, mm. it's just so, so important. So like what we do out of each ticket that's sold for the quiz, we give a 20 euro donation to um, to the charities. And then we have collection boxes in, in the bars. And then over the weekend, like we hope that we will be able to get more funds for them as well. Brilliant. That's great. Eilish Hodnett, best of luck with the festival. It's um, It sounds great crack and loads for everybody. And I know that it's great to be able to have it back after being off for a couple of years. And uh, best of luck with it all. Hopefully you'll have the weather. Do you know what the weather forecast is like for the weekend? That was Eilish Hodnett. And if anybody is down in that area, they could pop down to Ahakista and enjoy some of the fun and frolics that are happening there on the peninsula. Um, that's my lot for today. Thanks to the team here, Fergal, Richard and Wayne. Uh, we will be back with you again tomorrow. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 